0: Okay. Right. So on okay. three, three, or wait, wait, three, both, two, one, go. Three, two, one, clap. Okay. And then we'll clap three, when we say clap. <laughs> three, two, one. <laughs> All right. Bam.
1: <laughs> All Look, I have to say to you, Jay. <laughs> oh, it's is. Wait, what's that? Oh, are we? Are we? Oh. We're live, uh, man. We're live. This is Jay Flounce's ignorance. Is this Jay Flounce's ignorance? Or what this is, is um, a very special episode of Jay Flounce's ignorance <laughs> okay. because. Jay will no longer be so ignorant about the topic we're going to discuss, which is you, Jay. We're talking about me? Yes. Oh, no. See, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) Now that you are momentarily disabled, I have flown from the other side of the planet to corner you and ask you questions and record the answers. Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> I, I wanted to call this. I was thinking in my head. Should we use that phrase? A very special episode of Jay Flounce's Ignorance, as like it's like one of those, you know, one of those like after school movies or after school, you know, or, or like a TV show in Growing Pains, where you know the main kid gets into marijuana or something. It's like, A very special episode of right. blah blah blah. This is a very special episode of Jay Florence ignorance, it, it feels special. So I've been running this
0: podcast for a couple of years and it's actually I've been talking to a lot of people hoping that they would just ask some someone would ask about me. And no <laughs> really? one ever has asked about me. So I'm 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 glad that 2 years of uh, podcasting has finally turned into some let's talk about Jay for once. Yeah.
1: Have you are, you are you just being polite or have you seriously like in your head well, I really want someone to interview me. Mm,
0: no, I don't think I'm serious about that. I don't okay. think that's actually a thing. Okay. Well, it's not not a thing, right? But I don't think it's really a thing. I don't. I don't think I actually find myself that interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, you're so. wrong. You're very
0: interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode twenty six, by the way. So do another clean open. You, you know how I worry about production values on this podcast. I, yes. I spend thousands of hours. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. yeah it, this is this is episode twenty six. So okay. you, you do the intro. Okay.
1: From like a clean. We'll, we'll keep all this, but also I want a super clean intro. From okay. Tristan. Okay. So do I have to name your podcast? Okay, so clean up uh, a this way. so I'll oh, start. Okay, here we go. Ready? Yeah, here we go. Up next on a very special episode of Jay Flounce's ignorance. Jay is no longer ignorant because Jay is going to be talking about himself at the insistence of his good friend. <laughs> Hello, I am Justin Hopkins. I have flown from the other side of the world, China specifically, to take advantage of Jay while he is <laughs> immobile and unable to run and ask him a series of pointed questions which i have wanted to do for many years Oh man. there's no escape <laughs> welcome to episode 26 of jay Flaunce's ignorance
0: <laughs> thank how, you
1: how was that was that all right that was awesome and i'm extremely uncomfortable now i
0: didn't i didn't realize how uncomfortable i'm making all my guests because now i'm like i feel like under all this pressure and stuff because when i'm doing the podcast it feels like no big deal right. because i don't you know i take myself so unseriously and it's called I'm flaunting my ignorance, so the host is self-deprecating, in the title of the very podcast, right? So it doesn't have to be about anything. It doesn't have to be like high energy. It doesn't have to be performant. It doesn't have to be. It, it can be anything. I don't really don't care, you know. Right? Like, oh, but you don't want to bunk that. Mic, oh, though. oh,
1: whoops. Don't, we're still good. Don't, we're don't still bunk. good. Yeah, we're still. <laughs> I still see the
0: the bars <laughs> sliding to the right. Yeah, we recovered, but yeah, knocking the mic around is going to make a lot of okay. Um. Anyway, yeah, but now I feel this this sense of. Like, oh crap, he's going to ask me questions, which I never understood why the people I was going to interview were like nervous about
1: someone asking them questions until like right now because now,
0: <laughs> now what? I'm actually.
1: I mean, are you worried about like people <laughs> being harsh and judgmental or are you. I don't know. It's weird
0: because I'm such an open book that like I, I share like every. Like, I'm not a, a private person. Mm-hmm. Like, I. I I try to be polite about not giving people information they don't want, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, I'm currently in a medical position that's not great. Um, But hopefully in two and a half weeks, it'll all be over a distant memory. But, you know, generally speaking, my advice is do not get old. Because with age comes a lot of fun stuff that young people don't even know exists.
1: (laughs) You said your advice is to not get old? (laughs) My
0: advice is to not get old. okay. It's it's good advice. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> very very achievable. You were just complaining that your beard might be white now.
1: Oh, it is. It is white. There's, it's, it's not. Might be. It's. I can see it from here. You got plenty of. It's, dark dark. Yeah. Hair. Well, it used to be. It used to be salt and pepper, but mm-hmm. now it's all salt. Although my mustache is still pepper. Which dude, looks... I can see black hairs on your chin from here. So uh, it's not it, all. It's white. Well, it's it's pretty. It's pretty white. Like my dad's head is white. Yeah. My dad has a white head. Yeah. You do not have a
0: white chin. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Is this your six o'clock shadow? Did you? Did you I, shave at
1: 3 I I I shaved about thirty six hours ago. Oh, Okay. So yeah, yeah. So this is a full blown manly. This is, <laughs> this is this is this is this is man stubble. Yeah. Justin grows. All right, stop deflecting quickly. the attention to me, Jay. I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> trying to. Defra- <laughs> We're going to talk about you. Well, no, I. I um, it's. <laughs> I. I I you you are you are Mm. a great friend of mine Mm. and you've been a mentor for me Mm. for many years and look at that I'm praising you you already you're already getting nervous as I am I red am I flushed (laughs) slightly I feel I feel like I'm flushed (laughs) this is great man I can't believe
0: I keep doing this to people I've done this to people 25 times
1: well I you know it's like I said (laughs) you you've you've been a mentor for me for a long time really really great friend and uh, no it's just you're an interesting person. And you have an interesting history mm. and you're very thoughtful and you're very intelligent. And I just want to I just want to interview you. Oh, wow! Yeah. All right. So All right, I'll try not to cry. Let's start with something easy yes. and not embarrassing. And let's talk about your butt. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: what would you like to know? So wait, hold on. If we're going to talk medical stuff, we should give a big, okay. a big, like warning. OK, so we want to do butt last. That way people can.
1: No, I think we should just get the most embarrassing stuff out there. And,
0: and what then, if people want to listen to the rest of the episode but not want to listen to the butt well, stuff?
1: Well, because when I, when I opened the show, I, I said, I've got you cornered because of your medical situation and you can't <laughs> run. And they might be wondering, well, what happened to Jay? Did he break his leg?
0: <laughs> All right. Well, okay. It's your episode. It's your show. Yeah. Well, No, no. It's your show. But I'm just oh, hijacking my- it. You know? Okay. So okay. So we'll start, we'll start with the very politically correct flight company version is that I am a very old man and I broke my butt and they tried to fix my butt and the way that they ended up eventually fixing my butt is the last resort way, which is surgically. They had to cut some stuff and I am now 10 days after the cutting of the stuff. And generally speaking, nowadays I'm having a lot of good hours every day, but I'm always five seconds from a really painful uh, situation where I'm not happy and Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, taking care of business and, uh, I'm on oxycodone. I'm now uh, very, very good friends with oxycodone. Um, <laughs> Does have, oxycodone talk to you? <laughs> uh, yes. The little pills are my best friends. And I'm, <laughs> I'm concerned that I'm slowly consuming my best friends and they're stopping to exist. <laughs> I, I'm eating my friends, one, sometimes two at a time. And, um, yeah, I think I have a refill. So there's the, the doctor has given me another bottle of friends at some point. Um, but yeah, I've learned a lot about pain management over the last 10 days and, uh, the medication is amazing in the ER. Um, on three occasions, I had some amazing pain medication. I highly recommend a drug called ketamine. If you ever get a chance to take K as it's known on the street, uh, <laughs> you need to drop K immediately <laughs> because that is amazing. So,
1: yeah. Uh, they, we should we? get them. To, we should get them to sponsor your podcast. Uh, don't do drugs, kids. Yes. Stay in school. Except ketamine. <laughs> Except ketamine. <laughs> do that.
0: <laughs> don't stop. We should get ketamine to sponsor my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hardly
1: endorsed by J. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ketamine. So yeah. Well, Ooh. anyways, so um, you didn't mention your specific condition. <laughs> really? You want yeah. me to get really specific? Just, well, just because I'm I'm gonna okay. share a story. Okay. Well, here's here's how. Okay, here's how butts work.
0: Young young people. <laughs> Young, young people, you think you just sit down, you poop, you clean, and you go about your day, right? right. That's, that's how youth works. You, right. You, I can't believe there's people in their 20s. It's so gross. Anyway, uh, now that I'm 43, it turns out that what can happen is... Whoa, this is going to get fun. Uh, what can happen is as you... Uh, uh, poop or strain or something goes wrong or whatever is your butt can start coming out of your butt. Your butt can actually elongate outside of your sphincter and this is a condition called hemorrhoids and it's extremely common in gross old people who will never have sex again. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what you do is you poop out your butt. Part of your butt comes out. Anyway, hemorrhoids is extremely common, and usually you just put some ointment on it. You put uh, preparation H, the swelling goes down, it goes back inside, and you go about your rest of your life like it never happened, right? That's what hemorrhoids usually is. Usually it's uncomfortable, you know, there's some pain, no big deal. Um, That's called type 1 hemorrhoids or category 1 hemorrhoids. There's four categories. I have the fourth category. So not only did it pop out, but then it... um, I had both internal and external tissues, mm. and um the external tissues had a bleed. so mm-hmm. there was a thrombosis, it's called a thrombosized mm-hmm. chunk of my uh, internal butt now on the outside of my butt. And in the first ER, they numbed me up and tried to shove it back in Mm. and it hurt really bad and it didn't work Mm -hmm. in the second. So they sent me to a second emergency room in a bigger hospital (laughs) In the second emergency room, they, uh, they had, you know, eight med students. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but it's a teaching hospital Mm -hmm. and they're like, Ooh, we haven't seen this or whatever. So they had like so many young people staring at my butt. It was a really great social experience. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what speed dating is. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. I've heard of speed yeah. dating. I'm, yes, pretty sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is how speed dating works. Um, you know, and they're very hey, attractive. Hey, look at this one. Yeah, they're very attractive, very intelligent women in their 20s staring at my asshole, which <laughs> no one has ever looked at, right, since I was a baby. I assume my parents looked at my asshole as a baby. But since then, literally no one has ever been back there, including myself. <laughs> Anywho. Um, yeah, so the second... Emergency room, they tried to shove it back in. This was when the, the ketam they gave me a ketam they gave me local agents and then they gave me ketamine and the whole wow, so I can tell that story again if you want. But anyway, ketamine, amazing. They tried to shove it back in, didn't work. So they bring in the surgical team because they have dedicated colon uh, colon rectal surgeon squad. Like mm-hmm. they have people that this is their specialty at University of Nebraska Medical Center, Omaha. And they came in and that guy was. He's a busy man. He's very important. He makes four hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year. I looked it up, mm-hmm. and um, he couldn't be bothered to wait for you know me to have pain medication actually in my bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So the nurse is scrambling because the nurse got a call, and the nurse then they're like, "Oh yeah, give him you know whatever it is, fifty cc's of God knows what amazing drug." Did I tell you the sugar story? No. Okay. There's a good sugar story. Don't let me forget. Okay. You're the host. You have to write yeah, this yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try there. to keep it in my head. Um, so they tried to... So the nurse is scrambling because the doctor has now ordered the nurse to give me 50 cc's of something amazing in my IV line. But the nurse doesn't have those drugs. The nurse has to get those from the pharmacy, Mm -hmm. you know, so she's on the phone panicking saying, Hey, we need this stat because the surgeon's going to be here in 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and it takes 15 minutes for this shit to kick in. So she has to give it to me now. Mm -hmm. Well, they gave it to me and the nurse is like, Holy shit, I've never pushed it this fast. Right. Mm -hmm. And then wham, the, 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 as soon as it's in me, which is not when the drugs take effect. He's like shoving it back up in there again. Mm-hmm. That hurt like crazy. Now, my brother had just arrived to visit me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So my brother is in... It's a two-person room, and I was the only person in the room. But yeah, I yelled. There was no uh, no social nicety about mm-hmm. the experience. So uh, yeah, anyway. So that was the third time they tried to put it back in. So then that didn't work. So they're like, yep, we're going to cut it out. So mm-hmm. they put me in stirrups and... <laughs>
1: They cut it out and sewed it back in. And, and it felt out.
0: great. Oh my God. After really? the surgery, I really? was like, oh, I'm pain free. This is the best I've felt in like two weeks. Uh-huh. This is so amazing. Well, what I didn't realize is how much they had like spinal tapped me, like epidural. Oh, okay. Yeah. They numbed the shit out of me. Yeah. So my, like, I'm like, my butt doesn't hurt for the first time. But it felt like they had been knee like like resting on my testicles for like so i thought okay they must have rolled me over Mm -hmm. and not realized that they you know crunched my (laughs) nads for an hour or something yeah anyway what i didn't realize is they had numbed me so hard that 36 hours later all of that would wear off Mm -hmm. and boom now i'm in like full uh full pain mode so that's Mm -hmm. when the oxycodone oh boy could i feel it yeah but, yeah, w- right after surgery, I was like, it's a miracle. It's, uh-huh. a f- it's, it's unbelievable. Well, it's just I couldn't feel it. Right, right. It was the worst I'd been in, but I couldn't feel it because those drugs are amazing. And
1: this is why you're immobile and you have to right answer now? your questions. Yes. Like, yeah, well, if, I if, mean, if, if, if I asked you a hard question and you tried to run out of the room, I could, run? I could grapple you and put you back in front of the mic. I'm not running anywhere. <laughs> this is what I mean.
0: I can kind of waddle around. I mean... I'm not immobile. I can waddle to the, you know, the, 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 like the, the, the post, the, uh, mail comes three down, doors down so mm-hmm. I can go, I can go get the mail. It takes me a while, but yeah, no. Right, and like I said, right now I feel pretty good, but it comes and goes and my mobility comes and goes. And I was having like stiff legs for a couple of days, but that all went away. So that's mm-hmm. good. So yeah, I think 10 days in I'm way better than I was early on, but yeah, the first week I called the nurse and I'm like, oh my God, I had a really bad night last night. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yep, that's going to happen. You're mm-hmm. going to just have um, the the swelling will, will kick in and then it'll go down and it'll kick in and you're going to have a bad, you're going to have bad chunks of time. Mm-hmm. Week one, week two, and week three, hopefully week four is better, but you'll feel like you're recovered, you're all good to go, and then you will get your butt kicked. Mm. And that's... I've experienced that several times. I had a bad night uh, last night, mm-hmm. evening, not night. I slept fine, but yeah. Uh, Perfect
1: time to do an interview. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I cannot run away. That's for sure. <laughs> so I, I can hit you with this Rubik's cube. I, I, you know, you might feel embarrassed talking about your butt, but I, I had hemorrhoids. I, I thought I just, I thought I just. Said everything right, yeah, yeah, so. exactly. So, I mean, but I had, I had what hemorrhoids. else do you want to know? I had hemorrhoids in China as well. On time, <laughs> did and, they use yeah. herbal Chinese medicine? They well, they did not. They well, I just um, I remember having blood in my stool and I had to go to the hospital. Okay. And because you know, blood in the stool is a bad thing, yeah, generally speaking, yeah, that's not where um, blood's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, it was. I just went to the biggest, nearest Chinese hospital that was there and you know, I had to pull my pants down and the doctor shoved his fingers up my butt, you know. And... I don't know if you've – have you ever been to a Chinese hospital?
0: Well, my understanding from you, so correct me when I'm wrong, is that there's two systems of medicine. There's Western medicine and then there's Eastern medicine in China. Yeah. So the hospitals are all Western medicine hospitals, correct?
1: Uh, No. Well, a lot of – what they'll do is they'll have different departments in the hospital. And for some of – like, for example, they might have a Chinese medicine department or – and they might separate that from their Western medicine department. They also actually some of them just, they will prescribe Chinese medicine to go along with other Western medicine as well. Um, oh, really? Yeah. But anyways, the reason why I asked you is, do you know what it, what, have I talked to you about what it's like? Because like, there's not much privacy in Chinese hospitals, <laughs> okay. or in many cases, none at all. So mm. yeah, you know, I'm just, if you feel embarrassed, it's, you know, I had my pants down and doctor's fingers up my butt while other people, other patients were in the same room, mm. you know. And I was the only white guy in there, and so, say, "Hey, I wonder what that white guy's butt looks like." <laughs> so, I just just mean to say, you know, hey, I've haven't
0: been to the same place, but so visiting you, you in China, I've experienced the white guy effect, yeah. where these these uh, really cute short Asian girls want to take photos with these huge American monstrosities right where they're <laughs> yes. like oh my god and they're like you know throwing the peace sign is that still a thing oh still yeah throwing that's the peace still sign? a thing yes but yeah they got their selfie sticks and their peace signs and they're like and i'm like wow they're really cute and they get a photo and they you know leave immediately <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> i'm just a freak of nature <laughs> and the more rural we went the more so that is yes right where the more and more i was like in a, a, a shocking attraction yes um just my existence was mind-boggling
1: yes yeah you're a big guy yeah yeah and and that they they that they'll take pictures you know, and you could i you know I had a friend in China who didn't speak a lot of Chinese, but one of the first phrases he learned was twenty yuan to take a picture with him, and he's just like, if you want a picture, you gotta pay kind of thing people would pay people would pay him yeah <laughs> not everyone, some would walk away ah. but uh it was it was basically designed to um reduce the amount of time he spent posing for pictures. And but also beer money and be, well yeah beer money and filter yeah. out filter out who is serious about getting a picture with What's him. What's twenty N worth in USD again? About three dollars. Oh okay, yeah. so pretty cheap. Pretty cheap,
0: yeah. For, but but not nothing for ten seconds of his time. Yes, yeah. Yeah. If you were making three dollars every ten seconds all day long, that's a lot of money. <laughs> could be could be
1: pretty good <laughs> money, yeah. Could be really good money.
0: Yeah. And the more annoyed he is, he just keeps upping his rates till people stop yeah yeah exactly so you reach that point in the market where there's <laughs> yeah. nobody nobody's all right the price that. and volume graphs yes. meet at these yeah. particular lines of maximum <laughs> profit here. yeah so i so I, you had type one where they just shoved them back in and everything was fine or did they just go back on their own they, So like type one will mm-hmm. go back on their own and they don't even have to touch them yeah type two they have to shove them back in and then they stay and then you're fine and i mean you're not it hurts no matter what yeah but. i think i had type one but I'm, okay. I'm not really sure. But. So they were just inspecting you, basically, manipulating yes. it, which hurts yes. like a mother... I mean, it's bad. Yeah.
1: Uh, can we swear on this podcast?
0: We did already. Too late to ask. Wait. I yeah. only half swore. I didn't actually complete the swear. Okay. Uh, It's marked adult. It's okay, marked MC-17. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't swear... Gratuitously, on purpose, all the time. Okay. But anyway, this is your episode. This is
1: not. Mine. It's your podcast. We're using, we're using the J name sure going on my
0: <laughs> This might be too blue for my podcast. <laughs> I'm family friend I'm sponsored by Disney, dude. I have to keep it real.
1: <laughs> I thought you were sponsored by ketamine, ketamine, drug. <laughs>
0: big pharma.
1: So I think we should give a little context. So we've known each other for man. So I started out as a friend of your brother, Brad, also who has been a guest on this podcast, right? Were we in East High School at the same time
0: or were I we don't... four years? I was class in 93. Were you in the same class as my oldest brother? Sioux City, Iowa. He's, yeah, Heath and I were in the same class. No, school.
1: no, we weren't. So I was in East High School from 94
0: to 98. Okay, yeah. So we, I missed you by one year high school-wise.
1: Yeah, I became friends, good friends with your brother, Brad. Did you ever live with Brad? No, I never lived with Brad. Okay. But well, no, when we stayed, we did have. There was a summer I was working for you, and I was living at your house. Brad. And Brad, Brad was living there for a time as well.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, well, but you never lived in like an apartment with Brad.
1: No. Yeah. Okay. So I, but I, I remember I was friends with Brad, and uh, we were hanging out playing video games, and uh, and then I remember he talked about you a little bit, and uh, and then I remember you. This was at your parents' house in Sioux City. And, and then you drove up in your truck and got out. And I was like, oh my God, look at that guy. He looks like Hercules. <laughs> because I used to watch this TV show called Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that don't know, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is this old low, low budget TV show that was on Comedy Central and later on Sci Fi, where they would basically take these terrible movies and they would, I guess, do commentary on them and constantly make jokes about what's happening on, on screen <laughs> well at the time I had watched like a series of they had a series of movies called these Hercules movies there were always these giant men with black jet black hair and full beards and they were huge dudes and I saw you walking in and I was like oh my god your brother looks like Hercules and I think for a short time I called you Hercules there, thereafter <laughs> but uh yeah what I
0: recall is you, you said you look like Hercules after he let himself go <laughs> I just did I that <laughs> <That's> terrible <laughs> <laughs> that is... Oh, I, wow. I have the bone structure of a <laughs> person who used to care about what he looked like. <laughs> Did I say that? was terrible. <laughs> I think you said that. <laughs> uh. I'm going to get some more coffee. You want some more coffee? Yes, I would like more coffee. Okay, so we met through Brad... Uh, wait, so Brad like introduced us?
1: Or how... Y- because yeah. I, I hired you pretty early in our knowing each other. Yeah, well, I think you the first- tried to hire me for a project... At the company you were working at in um, Yankton, South Yankton. yeah, in oh, no, Yankton, kidding. and I, I backed out because I didn't think I had the skill set necessary. Huh. And uh, and um, be, you think you hired me to do something in Windows? Oh, and, and uh, oh, Jay's gonna go get coffee. I'll, I'll cover. I'll cover. Keep going. And um, you were looking to develop this piece of software for your, the company you're working for, and I think i had I had a bit of a foundation in windows programming then, and you tried to hire me to write um this software and you know we we we, we kind of hit it off a little bit because we were both really interested in um, developing software and programming that kind of stuff and uh but yeah I, I I backed out of it because I didn't think I had the skill set necessary oh thanks and i think I think you were the first sort of real programmer that I met and I think that um, I was really interested to learn from you and I was really interested to kind of pick your brain about stuff because, you know, we were both in Sioux City, Iowa. You know, there's probably about 80,000, 100,000 people that live there. Uh, Not much technology, not much software development happening there and so you know, it was, it was kind of like, oh wow, it's, I've found someone who's into software and into uh, this stuff. So that was really fun, and we kind of circled each other a little bit here and there, just because you know, you know, I'd hang out with Brad and see you every now and then. But I think you were knee deep. You you were the were you the president or the general manager of that company in Yankton or?
0: Um. Yeah, well, so my, my history there is I, I went to Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa, because I thought I wanted to be a mechanical engineer, and Iowa State convinced me that I couldn't, that I didn't want to, and I couldn't, both. <laughs> uh, there, yeah, there's an interesting story there, maybe. Uh, then... Then I switched to psychology, and I couldn't believe how easy liberal arts is compared to engineering. Mm. Engineering just crushed me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I was taking a 400-level class in psychology and r- realized that, oh, crap, I don't want to do this either. So I mm. went into philosophy, and then I figured out life, the universe, and everything. And so what's the point of philosophy once I know everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I <laughs> so then a friend of mine from Sioux City said, hey, I'm in Yankton, South Dakota, and they need a programmer and I'd been doing websites for since the beginning of the web, right? Like uh, we, Iowa state had a great computer program and the internet, which I didn't know was a thing, but I'd been running bulletin board systems since middle school. Yeah. You know, back before the internet was in, in anyone's house. So right. I had dial up modems, bulletin board systems and stuff. You were never on my BBSs, were you? No, okay. no. Yeah. So most of my friends that I made after we moved from Detroit to Sioux city, Iowa were through my, Tech nerdery mm-hmm. through the bulletin board system stuff. Anyway, the internet was like a bulletin board system that was always on. You didn't have to keep calling yeah. one other computer. There were there were hundreds of computers on the network yes. all the time. And I dropped like some people are addicted to World of Warcraft.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I got addicted to muds, multi user. Oh, I played
1: those too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Text and so I'd be in the computer labs of Iowa State where I was supposed to be learning computer science in text based dungeons yep, with no graphics no colors even just text white text and i couldn't believe how fast it was and there were multiple people in there at the same time oh yeah blew my mind anyway websites were a thing ncsa mosaic came out and suddenly a website could have unlike a gopher server right Mm -hmm. which i never programmed gopher servers a website suddenly could have an image so i could have a an icon on a website that someone in Pakistan could see a graphic Mm -hmm. on a website. I could have text and an image. And I was like, one, holy crap, this is amazing. And two, oh, damn it, they're going to ruin the internet because they're going to put images on there, and it takes up so much space. It takes so long to load images. Oh, that it's going to slow it all down. It's going to be worthless. They're going to ruin the internet by having images on it. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> you were afraid they were going to clog five, all the pipes. Yeah, they're clogging yeah. <laughs> all the pipes. Because I'd been doing 300. No, I didn't. never did 300. I did 1,200 bits per second modems. 24, oh, 48, 9,600. Yeah. Got to the internet. It was insanely fast. But for text, right? Images yes. took forever Yes, back then, even at a major university. Images were non-trivial chunks of information. Four megabytes is a lot of data. Yeah. Right? Nowadays, twenty eighteen, you load a website and there's eighty megabytes of JavaScript. You know, on on a
1: single page. On a single page click. Yeah, it's insane. I, I remember. It's interesting. We we have these kind of similar interests because I think this is one of the reasons why I liked talking to you was like for example you mentioned muds. I also played on muds. I connected hmm. to. The, the, the college I went to But I was only I mean this was only 13. Morningside was like College 13. Yeah Morningside College I was only thir- 12 or 13 at the time But I remember The old BBSs You had to You got busy signals A lot You'd call yep. up The BBS system <laughs> You got a busy yep. signal Busy signal busy If you got through it's like Oh yeah great I got through I could play But the MUDs were on, Always on Always on
0: and With multiple people In them At the oh, same time And you could,
1: you could Party up with what? them and,
0: and You, you could, could type to people And people would be In Germany Yeah
1: Saying hello, yeah, in real time, it's- and my head exploded. I was like,
0: what
1: so so did this drive your in- initial interest in programming? was it I think I always loved computers like i as a kid, I was you know my dad bought an IBM
0: pc junior back in the day, and I had this book called uh, programming uh, computers this is ms dos Com- Programming computer games, like computer games. So it was just this book of source code, all typed out, line 10, line 20, line 30, line 40. Here's what you type, and boom, you've got Minesweeper, mm-hmm. or boom, you've got Blackjack. Mm-hmm. You know, And I was just fascinated that I could type these things in and make the computer do stuff. So mm-hmm. I was really proud of some of the like graphic stuff I was doing because we had three colors. We had cyan, magenta black and I don't remember, but it was like four color graphics.
1: Right. Way yeah. back in the I day. I remember that. Was it called CGA or something like that? I
0: can't remember. I don't remember. But the, uh, yeah, but I, I remember this one program that I wrote, which was like, oh, what if I take, if, if I go the x of y coordinate and I add 10 and I go tick, 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 tick. It makes a curve, right? Like if I go straight line, straight line, yeah, and it makes a like a, it's not a fractal. It's like nothing. I, mean, I don't know what it is. It's nothing, but, but it, it, was, it blew it was, my mind as a junior high kid. Yeah. There was like
1: a movement to it, like a kind
0: of an animation Effect. By drawing the lines, and the computers are so slow back then that you could actually watch them draw one line at a time, yeah, you know, yeah, I remember that yeah, like, like in two thousand and eighteen i 'm pushing one hundred and forty frames per second in ultra high def one thousand nine hundred and twenty by whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to get shot in the face in uh, player unknown battlegrounds. I suck at this game, right but yeah. i 've got my com- my computational energy going into it is insane, yeah, because just the video card and that gaming PC that I bought this year. Just the video card is humongous, right? Just for that's how video cards work when you want to push video.
1: It's ridiculous power. It's yeah, ridiculous just so power. much. Yeah,
0: I mean, you compare that to the moon land. You know what was on Apollo eleven? The the computational power of the the the.
1: If if I I mean I've heard but I don't know that while they were landing the Apollo they they were actually calculating stuff by hand. Yeah. <laughs> as the as they were getting information, and, yeah. and they were adjusting their descent as as the numbers came out. Yeah. So we are so old. I'm older than you, but yeah. we are both so old at this point. We, <laughs> so <laughs> it, I I remember when when I was when I was first hanging around you and I used to um shit on you endlessly for being a philosophy major <laughs> for a short period of time <laughs> because I remember thinking what are you going to do with a philosophy <laughs> major? <laughs> and, and uh what did I say? I I I don't remember what you said. I think I um I can't remember what you said. But I, I remember, I remember you kind of expressing this idea that you thought that philosophy past the first year or two of classes in a university kind of became just endless language games mm. that were disconnected from reality. And and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you thinking that it was um, just not uh, connected to reality the way technology is. Did I tell you what my doctoral defense thesis was going to be?
0: I think you might have. But I don't remember. It was going to be how philosophy is bullshit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have a, gone over well yeah. <laughs> with all the other PhDs. That's where
0: I was going to get my doctorate. <laughs> was proving that we're all wasting our time. <laughs> <laughs> and philosophers being who they are, they might have given me a doctorate. Oh, really? <laughs>
1: might have. If I had argued it well enough. I, uh, yeah, it's... I remember this, I remember this about you. And <laughs> I remember also like uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed talking to you is that one of the things I, I find really fun about you is that uh, you were a very independent thinker. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people like to be thought of as independent thinkers, but they kind of just latch onto an ideology and they just ride that ideology and let the ideology do the thinking for them. Mm. But I find it really fun about you that you have a really independent thought process. And, um, yeah, I, I've always, I think I've always admired that about you. Like, like for example, so you left before you graduated, you got a job as a programmer. And I think at this company in Yankton, you were very soon the president or general manager of it. And yeah, that really impressed me because you, how old were you at the time?
0: Yeah, so so to pick up that story, I, I blew through, I dropped out of three different programs at Iowa State, and my buddy from Sioux City called and said, hey, uh, we're here, you know how to program websites, like, this is before CSS existed, this was HTML, mm-hmm. you start a tag HTML, and then when you want text to be bold, you put a... A B tag. B tag. yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: remember? I remember. Oh, I remember that. Header one. That's still, that's TV, how I still program it. <laughs> yeah, that's my
0: level of, you know, UX <laughs> skill at this point. I still program like it's early, early 90s uh websites. Um but th- they're like, yeah, we need a website to sell this comp- these computer uh parts that we're getting from Gateway 2000. If you remember mm-hmm. those I remember cow- Gateway 2000. Yeah. yeah, those cow-shaped or the cow-colored boxes back yeah. in the early 90s. They were one of the big competitors with Dell at the time. Mm-hmm. Um uh, yeah. So, um, the, so the short version of that is that, yeah, I can make you a website. So I went and I made him a website and they're like, oh, Hey, it'd be neat if this, uh, integrated to our, uh, inventory system, like all of the inventories in this computer over here, if you could put the inventory on the internet in real time, so we didn't have to type it in all the time, mm-hmm. that'd be great. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I should be able to do that. So I did, and, you know, I connected it to, this is, you know, Pearl. Yay, Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then they're like, oh, hey, this other company uh, called eBay, I think it was eBay. There was another one, too. There was an eBay competitor, which oh, since died. Um,
1: but oh, I remember you pointed like, out to me then. Net sale or no. I remember mean, it was like a blue, yellowish logo. Anyways, yeah. Sorry. Yeah but
0: like people are still people nowadays be familiar with eBay, but we were in the beginning of this didn't exist before this auctioning stuff. Right. And they're like, Hey, you know, we're losing all these commission, all this commission money to, um, this, this company because we have to, you know, why don't you make an auction system? And, you know, I'm like, uh, okay, well, I guess I can make an auction system. Like, you know, it's just inventory on the internet, but there's a bidding process, so mm-hmm. I should be able to do that. So I'm, you know, making more database tables and writing. So anyway, that turned into a Microsoft NT 4.0 uh, server running what is now called Visual Basic Classic, I believe is what it's now called, VB Classic. Mm-hmm. This is before .NET, before long. Before the, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is... So it still exists apparently and it's called VB Classic and that's what I was in. So I wrote a whole auction system in that Microsoft stack, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't remember why, but I think because the database was integrated with Microsoft SQL server and the server was integrated, you know, whatever. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um, yeah, so I was a Microsoft programmer for another year. So anyway, I wrote this auction system and the auction system really took off. It was like a big hit Mm -hmm. and suddenly, because they had a whole department of sales guys and my recollection is that... My auction system was outselling all the sales guys combined. The entire uh-huh. sales staff. I was beating them. I was beating the whole department. Um, so they pivoted right, and now we're coming up on the year 2000, the tech boom bust cycle yeah. of the year 2000, uh, late late 90s, 2000 into 2000, and everybody and their mom was pulling hundreds of millions of dollars off nasdaq yes right yes for everything for every bad idea on the planet yes they the the wall street was throwing hundreds of millions of dollars so the owner of the company very rightly saw that as an opportunity to explode our uh, market share in what we were doing in, in the business model and uh, we decided we, we had this fancy lawyer flying out of uh, St. Louis, Missouri in his, uh, twin turbo plane prop plane. So it wasn't a jet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think you could land a jet in Yankton, South Dakota. Maybe you could, (laughs) but anyways, the small airport in Yankton, South Dakota, twin turbo prop plane, expensive plane. He's flying out of St. Louis coming to Yankton and we had a prospectus and we were going to raise $80 million or something. And I'm, Nineteen. I was going to ask. my next question is, how
1: old were you at this time? What was
0: I, 18? (laughs) Something like that. 19 or something. Anyway, so I'm the whiz kid of this auction system, which was, I I would pay so much to have that source code. Like, I would love to see my, but this was before version control existed, as far as I knew. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you, you did a great job getting me up on version Uh, control. That That was one of your projects I tasked you with is like, Hey, I don't understand version control. Let's install (laughs) RCS and that's anyway, (laughs) that's later I guess. but, um, I'd love to see that source code that I wrote. Um, but yeah, so we're going to raise all this money and I'm the whiz kid, fresh, whatever. And we're getting like interviews and stuff. And I had already gained, like, 50 pounds since college. And so I'm like, I look at the photos from the time, and I'm like, holy crap, I got super fat already. Um, But uh, they, yeah, we we had gsci.com as a Mm -hmm. domain name because that was General Service Computers, Inc. Mm -hmm. And the whole business model was Gateway 2000 before they rebranded as Gateway and before they shut down. Mm -hmm. Gateway 2000 was terrible at inventory management. And so they had pallets and pallets and pallets of stuff that... Um, They were making money so fast that they were just throwing shit out the back door. They're like, okay, that motherboard is now one generation too old. We don't care about it. Get rid of pallets of it. And the whole business, a
1: lot of the business was driven by that
0: gateway overstock. Oh, so, okay. So that's why they were in So, so
1: GSCI was, was taking this overstock and and basically sorting through it and putting it on your uh, bidding platform. Yeah, so when the bidding platform became a thing, they're like, oh, hey, it's going to be now
0: the Global Shopping Club because GSCI, Global Shopping Club Incorporated, same Mm -hmm. letters, same domain. Yeah. But now it's an auction system. I'm the president of this company, right? And I'm a millionaire on paper. Like, not actually a millionaire on paper, but close. Okay. Like this this lawyer out of St. Louis with this prospectus that's this thick, and we printed up 80,000 prospectus. So we had walls of this paperwork that we were mailing all over the… Wherever they went, I mean, I don't even remember mm-hmm. anyway, I'm like a president millionaire whiz kid, you know genius all of a sudden, and I was driving a beat down you know piece <laughs> of crap ninety three and you know I was making good money for a kid my age who didn't have a computer science degree mm-hmm. um but I didn't have any money, I mean you know, so being a millionaire on paper was crazy, mm-hmm. anyway, and so then that all collapsed, and I ended up in Omaha, so
1: yeah. Sorry, that's a really long story. No, no, that's fascinating stuff. I mean, how many people how many people know this about you and your background? Um, How many listen I mean this is this is what I think. Like you you have you have a lot of interesting stories. And uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well I mean is this I mean But like so I mean so then you moved to Omaha. Yep. And then Well I fled to Omaha after the South Dakota Attorney General.
0: was like, what are you doing? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a very uncomfortable meeting with the South Dakota attorney general and uh, one of the bankers that we had borrowed money from. Okay. Um, yeah. So there, there's a whole there, – there's probably a whole episode of a podcast about just the end of that. Okay. Um, well, the rise and fall of that company. Okay. And um, yeah, it's it, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about business. I learned a lot about – Um, entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. when the shit hits the fan, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can start out with really good intentions as a business person Mm -hmm. and things don't go your way. Mm -hmm. There is so much pressure. I mean, you've got employees that need payroll. Mm -hmm. They need payroll because they got to feed their kids. This is serious shit. So when you start having 30 people depending on you for your livelihood to pay rent, to pay mortgages, to feed their children, it's a lot of pressure, you know? And, um, that was only you know I think we had twenty five thirty employees um, it's substantial i mean yeah that's that 's a lot of pressure, yeah, so i mean you know if you if you are on top of a company with thousands of employees mm. or tens of thousands of employees at i mean at that scale you 're more interchangeable right because mm-hmm. there's a bunch of executives playing golf right. that could replace you on a whim, but when you 're small, there are key positions that I think are really critical just because you have not tried to mentor people to take over. Like if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, what happens to this business? Well, in small business, the business might collapse. That might be what happens to that business. So that's a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah. 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 So, so it's really interesting to me that, you know, you mentioned you didn't have computer science degrees, but a computer science degree. And, but you know, you, 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 you get interested in these, in certain things. And you, you know, I think one of the great things about technology is that it's, there's not a whole lot of snobbery in it. Yeah. The the proof is in the coding, you know, and then whatever we talk about the, the, there's an objective arbiter of whether or not you are any good. And that's the computer. Does it work? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, I mean, it's, you know, there's so many other fields where people can debate, this or that point and there's no resolution to it you yeah. know? people get dug into their holes and they get really tribal sometimes about whether or not it's this or there's that but at the end of the day in technology there's there's an answer yeah, yeah. it's either faster or it's not yeah exactly <laughs> does it work or not so
0: um yeah i love that about i love how tangible computer pro- the, the kind of programming that i do is very tangible and concrete yeah and i really like that
1: yeah, um,
0: because it feels like I'm solving concrete, solvable problems. In academia, m- oftentimes you don't feel like you are tackling concrete, solvable things. Yes, um, and that's one of the things I really love about industry, as academia calls it,
1: industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, all right, let's let's keep going because then not not long after you go to Omaha, this is where I first start working for you. So after after GSCI, you moved to Omaha. Hmm. And then I think you worked for another tech company that was. Yep.
0: Yeah. I worked for a telecommunications uh, or sorry, a a tele, what are those telemarketing consulting firm? So like call centers that are doing inbound or outbound telemarketing, both consulting for them. Mm -hmm. So we had a couple of call centers, but a big chunk of the business was consulting for other uh, telemarketing businesses. That was the first business that I was at for a year in Omaha. Yeah. Because that lawyer knew our lawyer, and he hired me, okay, for a pittance. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm cheap, and I just fled South Dakota. <laughs> Get that guy, yeah. <laughs>
1: and then uh, you, met, I want to say, I somehow remember while you were in Omaha, you worked for a company that was also heavily affected by the tech boom and bust. Yep. So then the
0: company after that, the, the call center, the, the call center consulting company. Then I worked for a European telecommunications company, and that's where I met oh, Sean. Right, and because Sean was my boss, Sean hired me there, and um, uh, yeah. So that that were, the the crazy stories there were the time that they flew me to Frankfurt and England to attend the conference calls when I don't speak German nor have any sway over these things. And we were in a limo one time and the guy told me that they had to burn $30 million off the books. And that's why they were looking at buying this German telecommunications company (laughs) because the shareholders needed to see that the liquidity of the whatever, whatever, whatever. So they were basically trying to get rid of $30 million and they they figured, Oh, well, the way to do that is to buy You know? So these, these yahoos were dudes in Omaha where, of a splinter group off of West interactive where they were doing callback services was their bread and butter. Okay. So back in the early days of telecommunications, um, I don't know if you remember this, but you could get these crazy little cards where if you have family in Nicaragua, if you call Nicaragua directly, it was like $7 a minute to mm-hmm. talk to someone in Nicaragua,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but you could have a little business card and you would dial a number and you would dial a number, hit a couple codes, you'd hang up, your phone would ring You'd pick up, and what's actually happening is the call has been reversed and sent through Argentina. So Mm -hmm. you can talk to your person in Nicaragua, Mm -hmm. but now you're only paying $2 a minute. And the company charging you $2 a minute is only paying $0.82 a minute, so they're more than tripling their money. But yeah, International Telecommunications was this huge, and West Interactive was like okay. We've got this big chunk of this business that could be really profitable, mm-hmm. but we don't really want to do this anymore because it's really shady. You know how legal is it to circumvent Argentina's inbound telecommunications? Blah 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 blah. Right. So they kicked that out, and several executives said, "Oh fuck, we'll do do that full time." Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they started this company, and they went to NASDAQ, and they <laughs> raised a trillion dollars. Did, so do they have an IPO? Oh yeah. On S- okay. Yeah, that okay. that that company was—they had hundreds of millions of dollars. So, like the, the the company where I was the president, we never our IPO never happened. Right. So there, we never had the eighty million dollars, mm-hmm. um, and that's probably my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was the right thing for me at the time, uh, and I I hope I didn't destroy lives. Anyway, um, uh, I I think I did the right thing. The I'm this sure. company took the money. Mm-hmm. off out of NASDAQ and were burning through it like crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, they were going to become the largest independent uh, tele- European telecommunications actual dark fiber holder. So they were going to have this network, this multi-loop fiber optic, trenched European largest one on the planet. Mm-hmm. And then you know they flew me all over the place and imploded. <laughs> so they basically ran out of money, right? I don't know how that ended because I left. I was only there okay. a year.
1: Why did so. you leave? If I may
0: ask, uh, they offered me a lot more money to work at a hotel company, okay, and be a and be a manager. Okay, so they, they said, "Hey, you can have your own team." And I'm like, "Oh, that sounds great." They had concrete problems that I could actually solve. They were offering me more money than I was making, mm-hmm. and um, we're, were going to give me a team of people to solve a problem, and I would actually run a department. And I thought, oh, that sounds great, you know, mm-hmm. and it's more money and it furthers my career and I want to be a CTO someday and mm-hmm. blah,
1: blah, blah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I went and worked for a hotel company. So, yeah, th- and then, because um, I remember, I think, so I had been, I guess I had been looking for a programming job. And I was, I think at this time when you were at uh, Omni, you were mm-hmm. uh, you were, you were looking to hire people and um, I was looking to get a real programming job. So I was a, an up and coming programmer, a hungry guy. And there's, like I said, there's not many tech jobs here where, I, where we were at, where I was at in Sioux City. Right. And um, yeah. I was – So I
0: moved you from Sioux City to Omaha?
1: Yeah. So I was in Sioux City. For Monomaly Hotels. Yeah. And then I, would, I came. You didn't to, drop out of college from No, no, no. I didn't drop out yeah. of college. No, I. I uh, you finished your degree? I finished and then, my degree. And what was then, your degree? Computer science. Okay. Oh, I had a double major in math, computer science and math. Huh. Huh. And uh, yeah, you hired me as an intern. And, um, Did I pay you? Yeah, you paid me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember this. Was it good money? <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember. Um, I was trying to get a programming job. I wanted to work with you, and um, I remember we, we basically. I remember that you got approval for getting an intern, and then they kind of uh, guffawed at uh, the fact that I wanted to get paid as an intern. Really? Yeah, because for you, I remember you saying like, I think when they hear intern, they think uh, free, free labor. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. And Which then is a really
0: crappy thing to do, by the way, you should pay your interns, always pay I, interns.
1: It's some, some motto. industries, yeah. I guess, live on free intern. Labor yeah. Because academia, just...
0: for example, they okay. grind the shit out of people. Yeah. Post doctorate. What a load of bunk.
1: I, I, I remember that summer when I first worked for you, cause I'm still a college student and I, I could only work for you for a summer. I, you very graciously let me rent a room out of your house and did I charge you rent? You did. You did. It was very reasonable. What was it that? more than the salary? Oh god, it was way less than the salary. I, I was, I was, uh, I was very solvent during the summer I worked for you. I remember when I first moved into your house that morning. I was so grateful. I was like, "This will be great. I am going to be programming." This guy is welcoming me into his house, and I take my bag and I walk up the stairs, and I just the bag had like a it had like a hard. Uh, frame on the outside of the bag, hard plastic frame, and I remember immediately as I walked up the stairs to go into my room, I scratched this giant black mark into your new house's white wall. <laughs> on the stairs, <laughs> I remember thinking, like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was that was terrible. I remember that. But um, it was still there when you sold that house <laughs> a few years later. I remember, like, God <laughs> damn it! But if I just imagine this, remember, like, you got this guy who you look up to. and from. This is from my point of view, and. Mm. Graciously let me rent a room out of his house. First, first real break as a programmer, and I immediately uh, destroyed, destroyed my brand new, yours, house. His new house. My new investment. By program. working into it. And uh, I started programming for you that summer. And uh, I, think was, I think it was like 1999. I want to say it was that. Or it was either 2000. It was either 1999 or 2000, the summer of 99. Yeah, I started in 99. Okay. Because I remember
0: Y2K was coming. And I, part of my interview process was, oh shit, you're not hiring me to throw me under the bus for Y2K, are you? Mm -hmm. Right. Because this is a pretty good salary. I'm excited about it. But, you know, Y2K is right around the corner. I don't know your systems. Right. Right. Are you hiring me to, to, to fire me for Y2K? Right. Um, But no, that all worked out great. Yeah. I had a great run at Omni
1: Hotels. I remember when I first, when I joined, I think you were kind of new to the job and, um, I remember. I remember before I joined, thinking in my head that, well, it's a hotel company. Mm-hmm. How complicated can it be? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just hotel rooms <laughs> and um, uh, dates and names and credit card info. Heads and beds, baby. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking this has got to be straightforward. It was like, why does this department need ten people to do this? And holy shit, was I wrong? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Um. Do you it, remember how complicated the rate structure was? Oh, my, I do. I do remember how complicated do it was. Do you know was. how it got simplified? No.
0: No, I don't. So my understanding, and I could be wrong, so if anyone is listening to this and I'm wrong, I apologize. Send me angry tweets, and I will apologize again. But my recollection is for years I tried to convince them that we were shooting ourselves in the foot every day with how complicated, insanely complicated our rate structure was. And the fact that we wanted to do all this partial availability matching and all this stuff. And I was like, look, we had to do 2.7 million iterations to give you a seven night stay optimized, blah, 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 blah. The algorithm is insane. What we need to do is simplify our rate structure. Mm -hmm. And for years, they're like, no, no, no. This is our secret sauce. This is our bread and butter. This is how we make money. Mm -hmm. You just need to do it faster. And I'm like, do you realize every loop? I mean, microseconds happen and they add up. And when you force me to do 2.7 million loops, you know, on the, I don't know that there is a fa- so we can do caching and whatever, but then it's going to be out of date and all, you know, all this stuff mm-hmm. struggling, struggling, struggling to convince them to, sim- eventually they bought an off the shelf system, which did not support the complex bullshit that we could not get rid of. Mm-hmm. So when they bought that system, they simplified their rate structure. And I'm like, sons of bitches, (laughs) I spent years trying to convince you that the reason we're slower than we could be is because we're doing this to ourselves with business rules that are way too Byzantine. It takes us forever to figure out why it does what it does because it's insanely complicated. And this is self-inflicted pain we're suffering every day for years, throwing tons of money at this problem. Simplify your rate structure, please. It was. They would not do it. It died, right? They yeah. bought an off-the-shelf replacement. Yeah, the off-the-shelf replacement doesn't support that complexity. So, boom, they simplified the rate structure. And hey, it's faster. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I've been trying to tell you. I've been trying to def- <laughs> I'm gonna strangle you.
1: Yeah, it's it's so hard to explain to somebody who hadn't seen it how insanely complicated it was. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I mean I took several runs at it trying to understand it because of this project or that project. Yeah. And it I mean it was it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible how difficult it was to understand. I mean tables and tables and tables and tables of of stuff and depending on who was asking the hotel about availability you had a completely different <laughs> set of rules for how you responded and i also remember somebody from a hotel or a department would ask you why isn't this room hold showing up and well you'd you'd like send this programmer off like he was going to go spelunking into the <laughs> deep mines of of some horrible remote cavern and he'd come back maybe he might come back with an hour with an answer 8 hours later about okay this is why that room isn't showing up yep it was It was, uh, that was, uh, for me, that was a really, that was, uh, I I remember kind of being really impressed with uh, how competent and how difficult, how competent you were and how difficult it was. Because, you know, like when, okay, so like when I'm, when I was, when you're a programmer in college, you always deal with simple problems. Like, you know, your professor would assign you a a programming problem, like here, solve this, write, write a program that sorts these strings. Okay. You spent maybe four hours on it. And you were thought, wow, that was a hard program, you know. And then when you actually go out into the real world and you look at existing code bases, it's like, oh my God, this is way harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. It was it's it's it's, it's mind blowing. It really is mind blowing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was so so before I joined, you know, before I started working for you, I had never really had a real programming job. And at up to that point, the extent of my um business education were basically Dilbert cartoons (laughs) and and I thought that was the way it worked and um you were not at all a pointy-haired boss you were the exact opposite of that you really knew your shit and I remember I remember thinking that and I still you know thinking that wow this guy really knows his stuff and um yeah you were really good at that
0: well thank you that is very kind
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you... Because, I mean, you remember Dilbert cartoons. Oh, yeah. Are Dilbert cartoons still being made? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, basically, they have the pointy-haired boss who knows nothing. Yep. And then you basically... The programmers' lives are hell because they constantly (laughs) have to change um, what they want to say or what they have to do suddenly. And, yeah, it it was interesting because you were... it, It was a situation where you were the best programmer in the department and all of us were going to you for answers, and uh, yeah, you worked pretty long hours then. I think. Oh yeah,
0: I, yeah, I was a workaholic for sure. Yeah, my first ten years in the business, for sure, I was a workaholic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I, I grew out of that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> you, you grew out of the workaholic. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't been a workaholic in a long time.
1: When I was so so, you were you were really my a, a very important mentor for me as a programmer, and and also just kind of how. I remember watching how you would talk to non-technical people. Mm, Yeah. And I think that's a really sort of underappreciated part of the work, I guess, which is that, you know, for us programming nerdy type guys, like we, our minds are kind of different. And, and we, I think a lot of us struggle to make non-technical people understand technical problems. And I remember just watching you. Like you spent a long party, a lot of a lot of your day in meetings explaining how something would work is currently working to non technical people. And and I remember even though I was there for just a summer the first time, like this was a large part of your day. And I remember being in meetings where you <laughs> explained and re explained and re explained how certain things operated in there. Do you remember the thing? What was the thing where?
0: Where you said, okay, I better get on that. And I said, oh, no, it'll take them months to figure out what the... What was that What was that whole situation where co- the corporate office wanted something and you were like, all right, I'm going to go work on this. And I'm like, nah. I, I don't remember. You don't remember that? I okay. don't remember exactly That's what that was. I I forget. I, I'll try to recall what that was. Do you remember bringing version control to
1: Omni? I do. Yes. Yes. So I was shocked. Not appalled, but I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked to discover that you in had 99. this was this was 1999 yeah. that and, and I can't blame you because you had only been there for a few months. Yeah. And you had no version control in the department. Nope. And this this was like real work stuff. This is mission critical oh, yeah. stuff and you had, had source code
0: backup files and
1: backup directories and
0: dot .old and dot .old old and dot .old 3.
1: And and you had <laughs> you had occasionally run um, RCS. <laughs> that was the original Oh, did we have RCS? Um, you had, you had, but you, not consistently, just scattered uh, about in places. And you okay. had RCS stuff here and there. And you said, I remember you said, hey, can you – you said to me, hey, Justin, can you make all of us go on to whatever – what's everyone using it? And I said CVS. And you said, can you make us all turn everything to CVS? Yeah. Because it's really – I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's really important because yeah. – yeah. And I remember pushing all that and training everyone about that, getting everyone to do CVS yeah Yeah. Um, so were
0: you there for the subversion switch no I was not there for the okay. subversion switch yeah we went Omni Hotels went RCS CVS SVN Git so but I think I was gone before they did Git okay yeah so yeah yeah so, but yeah, version control, I was like, oh, I've heard this magical thing called version control, but I've never touched it. Like, I don't I don't even know what it is. I've just heard it's
1: cool. Justin, figure this out. So for those of you who are not programmers, it's very, very, very dangerous to have any program of any importance without version control. So version control is like saying you would do these check-ins. And you say you check in. Here's the current version. You give it a number, 1.1.3, and it will keep a copy of that for now. From, from now until for the, until the end of time. Yeah. So in case you need to look at how it used to be before, you know, before Justin the intern accidentally <laughs> nuked a file and suddenly the whole system doesn't work, you could roll back to that and say, okay, well, this is what it was like, you know, twenty four hours ago. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it was. Well, that was a big deal because we didn't. I mean, it didn't. Yeah, I'd never done it. I'd never used it. So the fact that you went and just figured it out was huge. That was great.
1: It was fun. It was really fun. I. It, it, was a, it was a really great experience for me because I, it was, I was doing work of actual consequence. Oh, yeah, yeah, affecting you know. The so,
0: you, so you say what a great tech mentor I was or whatever, but I can't help but notice. But when you stopped working for me, you left the entire industry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is kind of like, like an old girlfriend that turns out she's a lesbian after you stopped dating. <laughs> <laughs> right after did
1: I, did I break
0: you? How did, how did you? Why did you leave tech?
1: So, I left tech because um, I got the entrepreneurial bug. In but you Maine. could have been a a tech entrepreneur it's true um i I left technology and I moved to China. I moved to Taiwan first because uh, I met my wife then, and she's from Taiwan, and um, yeah, I wanted to be I wanted to try entrepreneurship before m- more than I wanted to stay in technology, and I could have been a technology entrepreneur, but I didn't see the path to that at the time. And at the time, it was also the, was it, when did the dot-com bust happen? 2000 or 2001? Yeah, the first big one was 2000, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a, and again, I was only 20 years old. And this is pretty subjective, but I was just kind of, I kind of perceived that that train had left the Touch station. was over. The internet yeah. was dead. Well, I mean, just at least for the foreseeable future, and I was kind of <laughs> interested in, learning another language and trying my hand there so a human you know, language me me fleeing to the other side of the planet is no reflection on you as a <laughs> that's boss that's what they all say <laughs> how many other <laughs> former employees have fled to the other side of the planet
0: i've crushed so many interns <laughs> they've left the industry i bleed them dry
1: and then they've moved to the far-flung corners hey, way too negative you were a generous <laughs> boss and fun guy to be around yeah. I, I remember. So, um, when you said learn another language, not a computer language, no, you wanted to learn Mandarin. I, I learned. I learned Chinese. Chinese. Yeah.
0: I keep saying Mandarin. Is that wrong?
1: No, that's right. Um, so, basically, Chinese is a massive collection of these different languages, which they'll call dialects. The Chinese government doesn't want to call them languages because then that would imply that there's a certain, maybe perhaps, sovereignty. Imp- there's imp- diversity imp- in China. Yeah. Well, th- I think the, <laughs> their fear is of their fear is of certain parts of China want to become independent. Yeah, again. Like So Taiwan, for example. Taiwan, for example. Um, is clearly part of China, that, in that's case anyone's listening. Yeah, that's what they say. Clearly. Yes. I'm
0: sponsored by the, the party. So. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, they got some serious money. They, they sent me 20 yen for this episode. 20 yen. <laughs> oh, wait, when, when? Yen. Yen?
1: Yes, yen, yen is Japan. Won. Oh, shit. Wan. Wan is the Korean. The Shit! What That's is it, Chinese? Yuan. Yuan. Yes, but you would also say renminbi, which is the People's Money. Oh, ah, yes. Got that very communist stamp <laughs> on the currency. The People's Money on the capitalist currency. Though. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so how did you? I mean, because this was when you went when you went to Omni. It, it seemed like it seemed like you were spending a lot of time just trying to figure out how their existing stuff was working. And it seemed. Oh yeah, well they, big... they were
0: transitioning. The reason they hired me is because the guy um, that w- had written it all forever mm-hmm. was quitting. He's like, I'm done. This is. I've been doing this too long. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And the way that he said, "I've been doing this too long. I'm out," is he said, uh, "Yeah, uh, I cost three hundred dollars an hour now." That's the way he quit. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Look, you know, I, my rate's three hundred dollars an hour. Do you do you?" <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 and they paid him, right? Oh, yeah. They kept him on while they ramped me up. Okay. And the theory was that they were going to have an actual department for the first time instead of this one-man show. Mm-hmm. And I I was the uh, volunteer that they said, okay, yep, we're going to roll the dice on Jay and he's going to give us actual you know, cross training and people can take vacations and, you know, run an actual department, which I would always wanted to do. I mm-hmm. was like, Oh, Hey, you know, let me try this. Cause I wanted to be a CTO. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a big, big shot, uh, corporate leadership guy. Cause I thought that was the career path that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want it very badly at the
1: time. Uh, yeah. So was that, was that more responsibility than your previous jobs? I mean, you used to be a more managerial responsibility for sure okay
0: but yeah from a technical perspective i was still kind of the lead tech guy um but we had more diversity at omni hotel i mean omni was the biggest department i had ever worked in right so there was a bunch of stuff tech wise i didn't know how to do like we had windows guys who knew everything there was about about administrating windows which i knew almost nothing about like Mm -hmm. i was never that guy and then we had an actual database administrator, mm-hmm. which I had never worked with. I'd never worked with someone who actually knew how to keep databases happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so so he knew that stuff way better than I did, of course. Um, so, yeah. So, re- yeah, responsibility-wise and money-wise, this is a lot more money. This is a lot more responsibility, and it's a lot more I'm trying to make a healthy organization. Because that the gentleman I was replacing is also very hard to work with he would yell yeah so you worked with him right i
1: i think because i interned for you several times i remember i think he was there for the first summer that i was there yeah i got the impression that i should give him a wide berth (laughs) i mean not all the time not all the time no he just but occasionally he was very high strung and he has (laughs) i I had heard prone to bouts of yelling well Mm -hmm. and there was another employee that they kind
0: of fed off each other in that cycle right okay yeah so in my, you know, managerial opinion as a, whatever I was now, I'm, you know, wizened at 19 years old or whatever I was, <laughs> uh, let's see, 75, 20, 25. Oh no, I would have been 25. By the time the year 2000 rolled around, I would have been 25 years old. Mm-hmm. But you know, both my parents are mediators, counselors, uh, very people oriented people. You know, mm-hmm. they're very soft spoken. They're very open communicators They're very use your words kind of academic kind of, you know, thoughtful Uh, and the dynamic happening in the quote department, it wasn't really a department because they had no departmental structure. They didn't have reviews. They didn't, you know, it was just a mishmash hodgepodge of people doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to make it an actual department was Mm -hmm. one of my goals anyway. But yeah, there was a dynamic there where there was yelling on both sides of a thing. So it wasn't all just this one person, Mm -hmm. but I mean, he was abusive at times. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was bad. Mm -hmm. It was bad. And so, um, uh, I don't remember how we got on that. But yeah, my my job was to make it HR friendly
1: <laughs>
0: by making it employee
1: friendly, by yes. making it a reasonable place to work. I, I remember thinking that because I mean, I think you made the department basically.
0: Yeah, it was not really a department. It was. Yeah. yeah. They didn't they didn't have anyone who both was willing or able or whatever to manage people and no technology at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So I was that. I filled that role.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So you stayed at Omni for quite a, for how many years? Oh yeah.
0: Almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. Okay. Or 10 and 10 years. Totally. Yeah. I mean like I think about year seven, I fell in love with bioinformatics. And so okay. I decided I was going to cure cancer. So I announced that, Oh, I quit. They said, well, don't quit. You, you don't, you're not going to make any money curing cancer <laughs> work for us remotely part time. And I'm like, Holy crap. Is that an option? Mm-hmm. Cause it had never been an option until I announced that I was leaving. Right. And they made it an option for me, and I said, "That's amazing." So yeah, I was at the University of Nebraska Medical Center and the um, University of Nebraska Omaha, trying to help b- with the bioinformatics research for uh, about four years. I thought I wanted to cure cancer. Turns out, cancer is a hard problem, and I failed. So <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I God, failed to save that, the world. Yet me, right? <laughs> come, Everybody's counting on me. Come on. I just, its like you know philosophy. God's a lie. I figured everything out. <clears throat> Cancer. Nope. Can't fix it. <laughs>
1: Walk away. <laughs> Go back to making money. <laughs> so what did you? So when did you finally leave Omni? I mean, what, what, so I mean, what was your motive? I mean, so you, you you developed an interest in another field. Oh yeah, like I, I wanted to actually help people. Like I,
0: right. for, at that point, I'd been just making money for fifteen years or whatever, mm-hmm. and the new at the time. Cutting edge of holy shit, we have genetic sequencing now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember what year the Human Genome Project uh, finally f- had the first human um, assembly. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what year that was. Mm-hmm. I've, I've forgotten now. I've forgotten most of my sciencey knowledge that I once had a pretty neat vocabulary of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how that happened is my, uh, I was running an Omaha Pearlmongers meeting. And a guy wandered in to one of our Pearl meetings and he said, Hey, I need help with uh, genetic sequence analysis. And I said, What the crap are you talking about, dude? This is like I do websites and like <laughs> databases. Mm-hmm. If you need to store a string in a database, that's kind of what I do. I put heads in beds, dude. Mm-hmm. And he's like, No, no, it's easy. All you do is you see these strings of A, C, G, C, T, C, 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 T, C, 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 These strings of text. That's all it is. It's just strings of text. And then we need to run this little algorithm on it. And kick out the results over here and cure cancer. Well he mm-hmm. didn't say that. I you know, that's what I heard. Because he is a scientist and I'm an idiot. Um <laughs> But yeah, I was like, Holy shit, yeah, I can process text, dude. Like Pearl is the Swiss army chainsaw of text processing. Yes. one one of many, but I love you know, I love Pearl to death. Pearl's awesome. But um yeah, so I'm I'm in there and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll I'll fix it. So yeah, and that turned into oh yeah, now do this, now do this, and now do this. and I'm like, Whoa So he offered me a stipend, so I was working for a stipend out of the university system. Okay. Um yeah.
1: So. You said you, you gave up. Do you still do anything with bioinformatics? I don't anymore, no. Okay.
0: So I, uh, after four years of that, I... Um, the, the, the fun thing about science and, you know, blessed scientists for not giving up. I, I'm not sure I have the... I don't have the right mindset, I don't think, to be a professional scientist. Because a professional scientist tries something, gets a result, and he's like, ooh, that's a result. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not they cured cancer that day, they've now... They now know something they didn't know before Mm -hmm. about how you can't cure cancer. And that's progress, right? Mm -hmm. In my brain, if I'm working on something for a year and a half and it doesn't cure cancer, I'm like, I just wasted a year and a half of my life. But that's not how science works. Like a true scientist is chasing the questions. And the answers are great. Like if you find answers, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But it's not their bread and butter. Their bread and butter is the process of questioning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, people like me burn out. People like me get frustrated and sad, and are like, "Why am I making almost no money with this skill set where I could be making good money?"
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And failing to cure cancer. Like, if I cured cancer, it's worth it. I'm happy to give sixty years of my life if I'm, if I think it's likely that I'm going to make a major breakthrough.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: After three, I think three and a half years. I became convinced that the more I knew, the less we know, like the more I could see Mm -hmm. how much we knew and the more I understood how much we understand Mm
2: -hmm.
0: the amount we don't know is so daunting. Mm -hmm. Like I could see an infinite ocean of shit. We don't understand. Right. So for me, getting really science-y for three and a half years convinced me that, holy crap, I remember one day I was walking through the the medical center library and I realized that I'm now walking down an aisle full of just cancer research uh, results, papers, Mm -hmm. just cancer. Mm -hmm. And I'm staring at walls of scientific journals where people have spent their entire lives careers producing these results. That now sit here and no one looks at them, hmm. and it didn't cure cancer, <laughs> you know. Yep. And I'm like, oh my! I just overwhelmed the, these these bookshelves. Like, felt like this weight on my chest hmm. of you could throw your whole life at this, and maybe nothing will happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, being undaunted by that is the way we're going to cure cancer, right? Right? Because yes. me selling hotel rooms ain't gonna cure cancer right. never right, right. right. <laughs> so good on that the people that can do that i applaud them that's fantastic that's amazing work i but i i came to the conclusion i don't have the long-term uh, uh, whatever patience for it. Or yeah i i the constitute the uh, uh i don't know what's the word what word am i looking for yeah you know. maybe just patience i think or so Something that I, I want to build stuff, like even if what right. I'm building is trivial or not important mm-hmm. or making the internet worse every day, mm-hmm. when I feel like I'm building stuff and it's getting used, mm-hmm. it feels way more important than chasing this quixotic dream of this massive payoff, but it, it may never happen. Right. When I look back on what did I do this year and I can say I did all this stuff that doesn't matter, but it's working. Mm-hmm. That feels way better than, I did all I this stuff and it didn't build anything.
1: So let's say then if you were pursuing with the help of scientists, uh, a, a, a research question, a yeah. research question, yeah. and you're churning through all this genetic data yeah. and the answer is a non-result or a negative result, yep. which is that given this condition, does this result in these things? And the answer is no. Yep. Would you feel like that wasn't an, an, an accomplishment?
0: No, I, I think I think the first time you do that, you're like, "Hey, look, I'm doing science. It's great. I learned stuff. Uh-huh. This is great." And the second time you do it, it's like, "Hey, look, science. I did it. I'm, this is great." Mm-hmm. And the third turn, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and then after about like 140 of those, you're like, "Fucking
1: hell, I've still not cured cancer." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I got mean, I got never... I, I got to ask this question. You keep this this standard of I got to help fit, cure cancer. Like this seems well, look, impossibly no, high. No, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. But. But here,
0: so a a, a nice middle ground would be a clinical result discovered via bioinformatics, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember a lecture that was being given on the, uh, I think I was out in um, Cold Spring Harbor, New York, Long Island. Mm -hmm. I was out for this bioinformatics conference of some of the people I most respect. And, you know, everyone there is like eight times smarter than me when they're drunk, let alone, you know. And it's just crazy. Like these guys... I couldn't believe how much these guys were drinking and still like running the conference the next day when I'm like almost puking. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so smart. These guys are so well spoken and smart. you know, these are MD, PhDs, bioinformatics, hardcore dudes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, I remember it wasn't in that, but I asked, oh no, that was a different thing. But I asked this, this person, have we had any clinical result? Where thousands of, of us have been working on this shit for like five, ten years now, okay, billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of hours of computer processing have occurred to discover things. Do we have any clinical result? like, has any foot fungus gotten ten percent better because we did a genetic sequence analysis on this foot cream mm-hmm. so that there's ten percent less mild pain under this one condition of psoriasis or something, mm-hmm. right? And the answer was no. Ooh. And I'm like, ugh. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So at that point, it feels like we are thrashing petabytes of data, which someday will unlock the secrets of biology. But right now, we are thrashing petabytes of data and getting nowhere, okay. clinically, mm-hmm. in, a, in a setting. Now, maybe we're always 18 months out. Mm-hmm. But after three and a half years of being 18 months out, I, I just felt so like on paper, I love bioinformatics, Mm -hmm. the concept of bioinformatics, I would, I, you know, you could, you could make me run around to undergraduates and convince them to do bioinformatics because they're going to save the world Mm -hmm. because I believe that Mm -hmm. they are, but it's not going to fit for me because I did it for three and a half years and.
1: It didn't go anywhere. So it wasn't just you not finding making a discovery, right? It was it was the entire field,
0: right? That you looked at. And it's not that they're not discovering things; they are. There's an inf- There's a huge pool of knowledge that is growing every day. Mm-hmm. But none of that is hitting the clinic, right? It's not helping human health. I see. Right. Bioinformatics is huge in all the corn that we eat, like all the crops that we eat, mm-hmm. right? Those things are, they've got thousands of genetic lines of different corn strains that are interacting with this year's roundup, blah, 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 blah. So if you want to go into ag ag business, right? Mm -hmm. Bioinformatics is huge because you get a 10% yield on soybeans increase and that's billions or millions or billions of dollars or whatever. And this is huge, right? But Mm -hmm. I didn't want to make soybeans 10% better. Right. I wanted to help someone in chronic pain or something.
1: Yeah, I see. Yeah. So was it, because you, I mean, when you, when you started doing bioinformatics, I mean, that was, that's a big cultural shift because you were going from having worked corporate America to academic yeah. America. Yeah. Was being a you, peon without an undergrad degree? A peon without an undergrad <laughs> <In degree>. academia? <laughs> did, did, did you, how was that? I mean, cause you, did you find that you, I don't want to say transition. <laughs> did you find that you could moving from, you know, academic or Corporate to academic was well, that easy or well i uh, keep in mind, I was still working thirty hours a week, okay,
0: right, so I was still making money thirty hours a week, so less money than I was but and working remote but um but yeah i'm 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 sitting there and i'm people would come from other departments and ask me questions in my skill set, and that felt great mm-hmm. here I am sitting in this lab lab computer lab and people would wander in and say hey um is there a way that we could get this thing and this thing to do this and kick out this output or whatever mm-hmm. and i'd try to figure that out and help them and it felt great when i could
1: mm-hmm. um uh wait what was the question just cause, the because the transition to it was it, it seemed like um i mean i guess i asked this question with a little bit of background knowledge but it seemed like for example leaving you know rolling your clock way back to when you were in college you kind yeah. of one of the things that appealed to you about technology was that it was connected to people and actually doing stuff. And then you, when you left court, well, you sort of left, you don't really, I should say leave, but when you started doing less corporate work and more academic work, I'm just curious how, how that cultural shift of how you, I mean, how was it? Was it, did you find, well, it was very invigorating because I felt like I had purpose Okay, again. Okay. Right?
0: Like it felt very important mm-hmm. that I have purposeful, meaningful, work Mm -hmm. that i can do um but the lack of progress like the lack of hey it's actually happened is what ground me down eventually okay um because it feels better to sell hotel rooms and affect millions of dollars in activity Mm -hmm. than to get my name on a paper that nobody is going to read and I don't really understand it. Okay. Anyway. Sure. So I did some really cool stuff and I'm glad I did it. I'm really glad that I, I did what I did and there some really neat projects that I worked on. And one that I, you know, spearheaded that I'm really proud of that. It's really slick. It's really cool stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I really liked, I, I liked it, but I, I didn't like it enough to stay. Oh, I no. <laughs> because to make the money that I'm making now, I would literally have to be like an M.D. PhD running an apartment, right. Because academia, you make no money until you're like tenured professor. right And I'm you know, I'm an idiot with database skills that's been doing this stuff for 25 years, and big businesses uh, need my skill set and they'll pay for it, yes. which is great in academia well so anyway it's nice to be compensated
1: for your work mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yes yeah. Mon- money is very handy for many things So, so I- <laughs> it, okay. so I'm trying to like square your timeline here figure out your timeline so yeah. at what point did you begin your nomad lifestyle so I, I don't know surely hopefully some of your <laughs> listeners know you sold your house mm. and started living in a van <laughs> down by the river <laughs> <laughs> i'm waiting to say that for hours yeah okay when did you start your nomad lifestyle uh right so um after the
0: divorce i uh, felt like i had been doing the uh big house make a lot of money spend a lot of money not extravagant things but just the daily you know the monthly grind of spending a lot of money on stuff that you consume kind of right um And I I felt like I needed a break from this infinite consumerism Mm -hmm. cycle that Americans tend to really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, a kid went off to college and divorce, empty house. And I'm like, I need to get out of here. Like, I can't handle this psychologically. I need a break. So I bought an RV and I'm like, I'm going to live in this thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my two dogs was still alive. And so uh, put the dog in the RV and, And when it got too hot in Omaha, I went north. And when it got too cold in Omaha, I went south. And I lived in that RV about seven months total, I think. Mm -hmm. Seven, eight months total. Mm -hmm. Uh, Made two big runs up into Canada. Made one big run down into into Florida. And thought I was going to keep doing that for a while. Uh, The second Canada run, my dog got sick. And I retreated because I couldn't get her. I mean, we went to the vet, we thought we had it under control, we went to another, a new thing happened, another vet, thought we had that under control, and I'm like, oh god, I can't, you know, so back, retreated back to the house, and I haven't traveled a lot since the dog, Mm -hmm. Uh, the dog eventually died, so, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was kind of the rise and fall of my mobile career so far, so so now I don't really have an excuse not to Mm -hmm. uh, be mobile again,
1: but I haven't done it yet, so, see i 'm so curious about your nomad lifestyle because I think so, so okay, let me try to characterize as I understand your 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 lifestyle basically, <laughs> you were working one hundred percent remote uh, for a company, so mm-hmm. you could program you could basically be anywhere that had a good internet connection yep it, time zones are a
0: thing, but yeah generally speaking, the closer I am to New York time zones, the better for me in my current assignment right.
1: And, um, you would basically, you'd live out of your uh, RV Monday yep. through Friday yep. and on Saturday <laughs> and Sunday you'd, you'd pack up and drive somewhere else. Yep. And, uh, well, I think this is, um, when, when some people, when they hear this lifestyle, they think, wow, I want to do that. Yes. It's awesome. You should do it. Okay. So how, Oh, we got a phone call. Here. Hold on. You got to take that. Yeah. It's dead. Hey dad.
0: Yeah. That's a scam. You just need to delete that. 99% chance that's a scam and you should just delete it. Yeah. It okay. okay. Are you guys home yet? Or are you still driving? Mound City. Okay. All right. Stay safe. Wait. Parents. Always getting scammed. Gotta look out for them. <laughs> All right, so, so what was the question? Oh, the question. So, I mean, yes, so, definitely. So, buy an RV
1: and go to travel right now. It's awesome. Okay, okay so because I, I except think, when it's not, when it sucks. <laughs> yeah, sucks. this is what I want to ask you about. So, what? <laughs> like, so I understand. So, I understand your motivation. You wanted to dramatically reduce your 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 burden every month of what you got to pay for and all the kind of stuff, and then well, just the the volume of things, like the
0: thousands of
1: objects. I felt
0: trapped by material possessions. Like, right. I have way too many socks the house has way too much furniture in it mm-hmm. there's 8000 objects in the kitchen like what why why do i have a th- 10000 things in this house like mm-hmm. what why can't i live in a tent so the middle ground that i settled on is a small uh, toy hauler rv which you can live in but uh you can't put a ton of stuff in there right so you can't lose things like you can't wonder where you left your boots (laughs) (laughs) because you just look around and they're there somewhere. (laughs) Like you can't lose stuff in a small enough space. Yes. Except that one time that I lost a fork and almost went insane. Um, (laughs) but generally speaking, it is so freeing to just be wherever you are. You get way more in touch with the outdoors. Like Mm -hmm. you like, holy shit, I'm on a planet. When you live indoors for years, you kind of forget that weather is kind of a thing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. Especially if you're working from home,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, because right. you never leave the basement. Right. You're right. just in the basement forever, like you're already dead, like you've already been uh, entombed in your own sarcophagus of, of gainful employment. And before you know it, you're 43 years old, and your asshole's falling out of your butt. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: hmm. So, so when, w- what stuck <laughs> out, so when you, when you made the, when you switched to being a nomad, mm. you know, and I, I mean, not like a, a vagabond, I mean like a nomad, like you actually really could live anywhere you want yeah. and, and week in and week out. And did you, did it match up with your expectations? Sometimes. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, so my, my take on mobile living is sometimes it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And those are great days. Those mm-hmm. are great weeks. When you go to a place you've never been and you feel good and it's an exciting place where you get to see new things you've never seen and meet new people and you're like, holy crap, this is the coolest thing. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And you have really good days and weeks and your dog's happy and you're happy and you're running around and you're exploring things and you're having great food that you've never had before. Mm-hmm. And then there are, there are bad, there are very bad days where the water heater is broken and you can't figure out why the propane tank won't whatever. And this thing went whatever. And I never had like a major disaster. Like I never had a structural failure,
2: mm-hmm.
0: almost, but never. You know, not. A, I've never had a. I've never like if you're mobile living and you get in a wreck, right. Right. that would suck. That's your house. It wrecks your house. That's how you move your house and that is your house right. and you wrecked it, right? Or you have an axle problem. Like something massive happened. So I never had a massive problem. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you're hitting a medical issue, that's also a bummer. Like, um, you know, if you feel good, having a small shower and a small, small toilet and, you know, a small living space is great because you're out riding your dirt bike in the mountains that you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but yeah, if you break a leg or something, you you break your ankle, uh-huh. you don't want to be mobile. You want to just have a house right. with a fridge, like a full size, and you don't want to have to worry about where you're going to live next week. Mm-hmm. You just want to be somewhere. At least I do. Right. And so like mobile living, I loved it, you know, and after about three months, I burned out and I'm like, okay, that's enough. I don't want to worry about where I'm going to be next week. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be back in the house for two months and I'm like... Ugh. okay, that's enough of a house. I'm going to go north. <laughs> Let's go south. You know, whatever. But, yeah, now that the dog's dead, there's no reason I'm not mobile again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assume I will use that RV again. Uh, you know, here we are. It's the day after Christmas. It's not snowy, so the roads are clear, so there's no reason I couldn't drive to Nevada. Well, you got your butt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was having a good butt day, so now you just reminded me. I'm sorry. That I'm, I'm five seconds away from pooping myself and screaming and <sighs> agonizing terror in the shower
1: um so i, I, I th- <laughs> this is one of the things i find really really interesting about you is that i think i think a lot of people my i had a math professor who used to call them the golden handcuffs yeah. where you get sort of a really comfortable situation <laughs> yeah. but then you're basically your time is a ho- and is totally owned by someone else and you can't really leave that because yeah. you have a mortgage to pay. And yeah, like
0: the people who overinvest in housing, for instance. Yeah. You know, you want you wanted that swimming pool in that cul-de-sac gated community. Yes. Because the bank would love to give you that loan for two point two million or one point one million or right. eight hundred thousand or whatever your budget is. They would they want you leveraged to death. Yes. But is you know, do you wanna be married, you know, to your mortgage? Yeah. I I you know. And I, I've been, in a, I, and I'd been in a house for twenty years. You know, I'd been married for thirteen years, and mm-hmm. this, this this is the second house. And you know, it felt like God. I gotta get you know, because one of these days I'm gonna be too old, or my butt's not gonna work, and I'm not gonna be able to go to live in a tent in Africa if I even want to, right? So right. I better do it now while I theoretically could. So I, this is the early December, Jay, that still had some energy to do some things. <laughs> yeah.
1: So well, I mean, this not is what I mean. Like a lot. I think a lot Christmas of people tray. feel trapped, but then they never get out of it. They just. Yeah, RVs are great. I accept it. Yeah. You should buy mine. Yeah. Buy mine from me. <laughs> what, are you, what are you selling? What, why? What's wrong with your RV?
0: Nothing's wrong. What's... It's great. Take it. Take it. <laughs> no, it, it. No, I feel bad when it's sitting in storage. I feel bad like I'm not using it because was a oh, lot right. of money. You know? right. It's a lot of money to invest in a thing. But in my defense, I've used my RV more than most people. Mm-hmm. Did you know RVs by default come with a 30-year loan? No. 30 years.
1: That's like a that's like a like long term mortgage. You wanna,
0: yeah, if you want to borrow it from the bank, uh-huh. they sign you. So, like a car is five or seven years. Seven years is pretty typical on a right. car, right? right? Yeah, which blew my mind. An RV, thirty years, like a boat. A so, boat and an RV. They'll, they'll they'll they'll. So, if your RV was twenty grand, right? If you pay it off over thirty years, it's like a. $280,000
1: RV. It's right. crazy because compound interest eats you alive sure. over 30 years. But wait, does that mean like the useful life of an RV is really long because people don't actually use it that much or, well, if it's in storage and you never use it. Yeah. Then yeah. It doesn't it get it much did. wear and tear. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and mine's all aluminum, right? So there's no wood to rot. There's no, uh, there's no steel to rust. Okay. Mine's solid aluminum. So other than the tires, it should last 30 years. No problem. Okay. I think. But, you know, I also made a couple of mistakes and, yeah, so. So you will return to the nomad lifestyle. Yeah. You want to go? Where do you want to go? Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> How long <laughs> are you here? You're pick, here for a month? I'm here for two weeks. Two weeks? Oh, oh, that's, two that's not month a Month is, yeah. And plus I'm, you know, like I said,
1: I'm five seconds away from pooping myself, so. You get that on the so. air, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so another, another thing I want to ask you about is um, is that uh, I, I can't remember the exact name you had for it, but couple of years ago and maybe some more three years ago is that you started you tried to reach out to people who had different political ideas from you please convince me please convince me yeah, yeah. so tell tell me a little bit about that
0: well the idea was that everybody so we, we have all these issues where people are very um what's that neato word that i'm looking for there's two sides of it everything's dichotomy right like everything's one or the other and Black and white, binary, yeah. yeah, good or bad. Everything's divided, right? And so there's a bunch of people on this side of this issue that are saying how you know bad this thing is, and on the other side there's a bunch of people talking about how good it is, and we're in our own little echo chambers because the media is all segmented down to I'm only listening to people that I already agree with, right? right. I'm listening to people tell me what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, back before. Our media was all integrated. Everybody would watch Tom Brokaw give a reasonable middle view to issues, I assume. Mm-hmm. But now I'm, everyone's just listening to what they want to hear all day. Mm-hmm. And they all their friends on social media are saying what they want to hear all day. My idea was, please convince me, was let's get people together into small group discussions where we're intentionally seeking issues we disagree about Mm -hmm. right like if we agree on stuff there's nothing to talk about then there's thousands of places to talk to people who already agree with you but the idea of of please convince me was get people together where we'd actually disagree and have a respectful uh, adult set of conversations about those about those issues Mm -hmm. and that that never really took off it was a good idea that had a website well no i mean it's
1: it's it struck me as a very brave and you see, when people say brave. They usually mean like <laughs> it's, it's really courageous. I mean, to to it's to actually, hard. Yeah, it is really hard. Yeah, because you're not seeking. It's so easy
0: to. I mean, you're probably a pinky liberal leftist too, right? So you and I can probably talk politics. <laughs> no. You're not?
1: No, no. I I I'm very central. I'm very centrist. I find something commendable, extremely commendable from both sides of the parties and also some things that are extremely batshit crazy from, from, my, from both parties. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think especially given what's happened the last two or three years, I, I think it's very clear to me that I'm quite central. Hmm. I'm, some, I'm really in the middle somewhere. But again, it depends on what we're talking about, you know.
0: So, so the idea behind Please Convince Me is to find the places where we disagree. Right. Outline, okay, well, here's our, here's our common ground. Then here's where we do not have common ground, and then work on that respectfully, you know. And I, I think my the running the podcast kind of took over that energy because all the energy I, it was. It's really hard to find people on on multiple sides of a thing mm-hmm. that want to have a conversation and especially have it publicly, like to be on the record with microphones, right. which I find very interesting in terms of yeah. hey, it's kind of a public service that we have these conversations out in the wild. But yeah, I'm sure there's a thousand podcasts that are doing that idea that please convince me idea.
1: Well, I, I think it's really, I mean, it's really commendable because it's so much more fun to talk to people who you already agree with. And then it's very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really comfortable. Yeah. And people avoid talking, yeah. especially in a public way about with people about stuff that they disagree about. Right. Like what, what issues did you have try to have people talk about?
0: Oh, anything like it didn't matter. Like, you know, guns or religion or, uh-huh. Uh, health or yeah um, well, well i mean the the point is to try to outline hey this is where i'm at
2: mm-hmm.
0: and figure out okay well we we have these people that are pretty much over here and we have these you know and then try to find and then try to coordinate okay well with everyone's schedules how can we you know and everyone naturally is resistant to having uncomfortable conversations with yeah. people that might be assholes yeah and i get that i mean i totally under it's a it's a tough lift (laughs) well it it is but i mean worth doing i think i think it would be like like if someone else was running that group i would join (laughs) (laughs) but running it is uh, yeah and i I just i have too many hobbies
1: and i don't know i have lots of excuses well i think you're talking way too negatively about the things you've done before that's what i do
0: that's my brand yeah i'm self-effacing to a fault
1: yeah, what the hell is wrong with you, Jay? Exactly. Even more positive about you. No, I agree. We
0: are. I am fucked. up. I, I have problems, dude. I agree. See.
1: Yeah. This is my brand. See, this is this is one of the things I've noticed about you. When, when, <laughs> when you when you summarize when you summarize yourself and your achievements, hmm. um, you're fucking really wrong <laughs> and overly overly negative about well, yourself. Well, it's, it's easier it's
0: easier to undersell than to. Uh, well, be braggadocious no no i know
1: i know okay so th- i mean there is it's it's always a good practice to be self-effacing but I, I sense that you are you know way too negative about some of the things you talk about so for example we talk about this uh, please convince me stuff to me <laughs> i i saw that and i thought like, god damn that is a great idea yeah no it's a good and idea. that takes huge balls to do that because you know it, it's 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 um it's so easy to be mentally lazy and, and for example, when I say mentally, lazy, I mean like to find people who already agree with you and that kind right. of stuff. So um, it's extremely commendable to do that yeah. and to have those conversations. I should have done that.
0: That would have been a good
1: Oh, no, you did it. You did do it. And and I did not do it. We didn't have meetings. You didn't, didn't have happen. any
0: meetings. Okay. No, okay. so you. I'm a terrible person.
1: It's like, I mean. It's <laughs> so, so it
0: basically an idea and a website and a Facebook group. Okay. And an attempt to find a bunch of people and an attempt to, okay, let's schedule. Mm -hmm. And people were like, very reasonably so, like, wait, what, you want me to escape? What, you know? Yeah. And the more sensitive something is, like, if I've been a victim of gun violence, I have very strong opinions about guns. Sure. And why would I, some random, you know... So you almost have to know these people in in person beforehand. Well, a podcast is a great way to get to know people, Mm -hmm. you know, in person Mm -hmm. beforehand. Yeah, I think I ended up just spending more time on the one-on-one interviewee kind of podcasty kind of angle because it's easier to schedule a person Mm -hmm. than to schedule multiple people who might be jerks, right? Right. I know some really aggressive people who I agree on their opinions, but I hate the way they go about it. Yeah. Like I think you're right, but you're a dick. So <laughs> yeah. knock it off.
1: You've, you've won the argument, but uh, turned everyone against you. Yeah, you, you know. exactly <laughs>
0: everyone. Now I don't. Now I disagree because you're a jerk. You know, it's like.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I mean, it, you know, like I said, one I'm of the Get things, some more coffee. Okay. We're at an hour forty-five. I don't know how long you want. your episode. I'm going to keep going until I run out of energy, man. Out of energy? Yeah, right. and I, you keep giving me coffee, so <laughs> no no time soon. All right, let's pause for a minute. I'm going to run to the bathroom. Okay. Uh, or should we just let it run? No, let's just let it run. it let it, it be run. easier to sync them.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I hope the mics have been working. <laughs> I've been be unfortunate keeping an eye on this. They weren't actually doing
1: anything. Yeah. They seem like they're both doing stuff. So that's a good thing. Okay. So I was going to, like I said, one of the one of the things I I've kind of observed about you is that you um you seem pretty unafraid of you know having. Uh, a different opinion about stuff. And I've always kind of admired you like about that. So, for example, like, uh, I remember kind of over around the time I first got to know you is that I remember you had a website or a profile page in, like, the Iowa State or something like that, and you mentioned, you wrote on there that you said you thought atheism was uh, true or plausible. And I remember thinking, about, wait, aren't your parents ministers? <laughs> you know, I was like, holy crap. Like, uh, yeah, like, uh, I was like, man, this guy's... A really independent thinker, you know. So let's talk about that. So that's pretty... I always found that was really interesting about you. So your parents... Did I tell you about the time I came out to my parents as an atheist? No.
0: That's a good story. Oh, man. I don't think I've ever told that story. I was raised in a church close to the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, or sorry, it was the RLDS Church. It's very similar to the Mormons. It's like the Mormons with all the interesting stuff taken out of it. So like all the interesting stuff where you're like, what? Mormons actually do that? Mm-hmm. The, art, the church I was raised in doesn't do that. Okay. So they've since rebranded as the Community of Christ Church. So it's a different name for the same organization now. Anyway, I was raised, in, even being raised in the church, I was Pretty sure I didn't think this was, you know, fact like literally what was actually going on mm-hmm. in the universe fairly early on. And I had a lot of questions and I drove a lot of Sunday school teachers batty. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, anyway, so my parents pretty much knew I was an atheist. High school, college. Well, 10 years on, where I'm pretty sure they know I'm an atheist, I was at a conference, uh, it's called Skepticon and I was really surprised the first time I went to an atheist conference, how much, um, like I'm not into religion bashing. Like I don't, it's religion bashing is kind of fun for a few minutes and then it, it gets old. Like mm-hmm. I, it's just cruel. It's not nice. You know, don't do it. I'm not into it, mm-hmm. but there was so much content to this skepticon, which was originally in Omaha. I, I couldn't believe, like so like they they have all this content about like sex positivity, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of people go to these really unhealthy. They hear a lot of really unhealthy messaging from their churches about body shaming. Like mm-hmm. they should be ashamed of their sex drive. They should be ashamed of their their bodies are unclean. Mm-hmm. All of these things about God watching you masturbate or whatever, you know, the, the these extreme versions. I'm not saying all religions do this. I'm just saying that it does happen that some religions do a lot of really negative stuff around sexuality. They teach you a lot of things
2: mm-hmm.
0: that are unhealthy for healthy human sexuality. And I, I didn't know that. I didn't know there was all this sex positivity stuff in atheism. I thought it was just going to be like religion bashing. And it's not. Mm. There's plenty of religion bashing. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only thing there. There's all this really interesting, and there's a lot of uh, environmental stuff, like how, look, look, the end of the world is not coming. <laughs> there's a lot of recovering from um, extreme. Uh, so, so like the um, uh, Westboro Baptist Church, mm-hmm. uh, some of the people who have escaped that uh, environment, uh, the son of one of the preachers did a big talk there. Mm-hmm. I mean, He gave one of the keynotes. That abusive relationship you have, where if you don't believe and if you dare question you 're ostracized from mm-hmm. everyone you 've ever known mm-hmm. and how that damages people right this isn't this is human psychology this isn't about whether or not God is a thing, this is just damaging people, this is right. abuse right. right and there there's lots of you know right, right, yeah, anyway I'm at this conference, and one of the talks is that um Uh, the speaker is saying, you know, you really need to come out to your friends and family. And I was, I was thinking, Oh yeah, this is the gay messaging. Only this is about people who have had unsupportive parents Mm -hmm. that um, are, they're afraid that they're going to be rejected because they don't believe in the same religious stuff that their parents believe in. Mm -hmm. That's really a bummer, right? To be Mm -hmm. thrown out of, your family for having an opinion about God or about religion or about being gay or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What a terrible thing. And as I'm sitting there thinking about this, oh shit, I'm going to cry. I realized that, um, for me, that was unresolved with my own parents. That I, so now I'm out in the parking lot crying after thinking, boy, that would suck for other people. Mm-hmm. that, thinking that oh I need to have that conversation with my parents even mm-hmm. though they'd known for like 15 years mm-hmm. we'd never had that conversation mm-hmm. and I was shocked that I had this emotional reaction to the issue of like it's not a secret we've talked about it mm-hmm. <laughs> for a million times mm-hmm. but emotionally the rejection that the, the concept that my parents could reject me for for what I don't believe mm-hmm. because that's they raised me one way and I don't I don't find that plausible, mm-hmm. um, crushed me. So I went down to Kansas City and I came out to my parents as an atheist and they were very confused because <laughs> for 15 years they had known that I didn't think uh, that was likely, you know. But yeah, it was very emotional. I can't believe I'm crying now. This is like five years ago but you know i i was just at this talk where oh man that would suck it because my parents are the most supportive accepting people in the extremely, world extremely extremely yeah. supportive so, and I mean, accepting I, could, I mean i could come out as a as a hitler youth and they wouldn't stop loving me mm-hmm. you know yeah. i i could be a genocidal maniac who just killed 5000 people mm-hmm. and they would still love me so to th- so to have my brain tell me that they would reject me for something that they've known for 15 years I can't believe I'm having this response right now. Do, do, do you? Do
1: you, So it must be that you, you had that kind of worry, moment, yeah. at least momentarily. You no, know, I was terrified
0: you know, that yeah. my parents were going to reject me for something that they knew. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I'm reacting to it this now. This was only this five, like five years di- ago, you said? I think so.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought...
0: But it was, why am I reacting was to it, it now? We've we it. had you... that. Com- I came I, uh, out to my parents as an atheist I, uh, five years ago, and now I'm telling wait. this story for the first time. I'm, I'm crying again. I remember...
1: I think they knew. The I remember when no, we were at your house. And, In high school. And your dad, because your dad likes to, he's hes a big thinker. And he likes to throw big questions. I remember we were yeah, hanging out. Yeah, my parents and I talk religion all the time. Yeah. I remember yeah. your dad was asking a question about the meaning of life. And you said, well, I don't think there is a meaning to life. Because I don't <laughs> think there is a overall like planner or director uh, yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to. Some, anyway, so I I'm probably mangling your argument. Yeah, but, that's not what I would say. No, but you were, you, you were it was something along yeah, the lines. Yeah, we talk religion think, all the time. Yeah, so. So I mean have you always had that sort of cause, okay so I I also don't find any religion particularly plausible but I it took me a long time to kind of build that courage uh. to actually talk about that but for me I, it seemed like you've did did you always have this and you mentioned like Sunday school teachers you mentioned did you say torturing Sunday school teachers <laughs> like how, has this always been part of your personality
0: well no it was it was the, it was the question and I'm going to blow my nose on that thing okay oh, yeah. You made me cry. You made me cry in my own podcast. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Jay is blowing his nose and stepping over to the garbage can. I
0: had no idea five years after that telling that. Anyway, so No So what what would happen is I'm if 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 the Bible is presented as literal truth, mm-hmm. I would have questions about the stories. I would be like, wait, the Bible says this how is that possible? Like, how does that make like okay? There's one thing that's like miracles, and okay, if it, if there is a God, then the, the Son of God does miracles. That's okay. You either believe that or you don't. Mm-hmm. But there's other things like you know the flood. Like, how does Noah's Ark work? Right. Like, okay, there's if there's literally Adam and Eve, where then they had kids, and then what? Their kids had sex with each other? I mean, like you know, all these just. How can it be six thousand years old? What's going on with fossils? Mm-hmm. You know all these things. So my Sunday school teachers <laughs> exasperated <laughs> because they're just trying to tell the parable of the um, ape Cain and Abel or yeah, something. Whatever, right? I yeah. mean whatever whatever the parable is, and yeah. I'm like, okay, but what you know? Why would God? You know, I'm trying to understand this God guy, and he's Sodom and Gomorrah and turning and this is this wrathful tyrannical asshole of the old Testament Mm -hmm. in my reading. So if you're going to be a God fearing old Testament mindset, that's one thing, but the church is trying to have this, Hey, God is all love and new Testament and Jesus and all this stuff. But so are we saying that old Testament did not happen? Mm -hmm. And so then in the family of churches where the book of Mormon is the thing, you've got the old Testament, the new Testament, then you have the book of Mormon, right? So now Jesus is running around in North America and the Native Americans have been cursed with their skin color because God was pissed off, I can't remember what they did, and turned their skin red as punishment. And I'm like, I, fuck you. What are you, what? Is this in the Book of Mormon? That's in the Book of
1: Mormon. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay.
0: I'm, I was angry. Mm-hmm. Ugh anyway my bible school teachers <laughs> they're just supposed to tell the the you know the good samaritan you help people that's right. their message and i'm like right. that's great that's a great message <laughs> but did you read it i mean did you read the what about the sentence before that sentence that you just quoted yeah like what the fuck is going on with that you know and in college oh my god these poor people in college uh discover i had a a guy I lived with who discovered religion in college. Like he wasn't raised with it. He discovered it and I would drop him a verse and I'd be like, why does the Bible say this? Mm-hmm. And then I would, then he'd come back three days later and I'd be like, okay, well what about this one? Why does the Bible say this? Well, what he didn't know is I was picking out of a list of 2000 things in the Bible that were on a website on the early internet mm-hmm. where there where the Bible's inconsistent with itself, Mm -hmm. where the Bible says horrible things, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) and he didn't know I had 2000 of them ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I, I don't have anything against religious people. If you want to be religious, that's great. I mean, I, as long as you are nice to others, as long Mm -hmm. as you're kind to people and you're not trying to force people to think, and you're not uh, holding people hostage. Like if you have kids, let them think what they're going to think and don't hold them uh, hostage to what you think they should think. That's, you know, and then I've got no no beef with it. So sure. if, you know, if the hale comet is the, the second coming and you don't commit suicide or kill anybody, then fine. Do you sure. don't believe the hale comet is whatever it is, the Heaven's Gate cult?
1: Are you familiar with that one? I remember it. No, I remember it. I remember that um, they all committed suicide and they had yep. couldn't wear any or have any metal on their body. So they're all like laying in their beds, like in just pajamas or something. Um, and Nike tennis shoes. The Nike tennis shoes. Okay. Yeah. So have you always, cause I, so you know, I, it took me a long time to develop the courage to ask these kinds of questions that it seemed that you, were had you always raised been religious. Yeah. I mean, I was brought up in a Lutheran church mm-hmm. and, um, you know you went every week every yeah Sunday? we pretty much pretty much went every week you know and um, they are they are what I'd say just I guess they're kind of kind of like the kinds of Christians that you'd want to have as your neighbors they're pretty low-key they're not into proselytizing they're not into sweeping judgments about people it's kind of pretty humble nice people and they generally back up their um, their words with actual service to the community. Um, and yeah, but I mean, it, it's just that, you know, th- these doubts that I had in my head, I just kind of never really voiced them until I was much, much older. So what were your doubts? So my doubts were just like, I couldn't, my, my doubts kind of started creeping in is that when I, as I learned more about the way the world worked and as I became really good at, or more, really more, really much more aware of history, you know, at the time. And I kind of it just started to strike me as not terribly plausible and and um it just kind of yeah, I mean it just it just it just kind of kind of just kind of grew on me it's like well i don't I don't really think that's true at all and then I could kind of see the mental baggage that it gave people and and I mean that you know what I mean by baggage, like kind of these unnecessary fears or or downright unproductive you know thoughts that. That hindered people a lot, and I, th- I guess my one of my biggest problems with it was that, yeah, I'm kind of with you like i don't really doesn 't really bother me what you believe, um but one of my biggest problems with religion was that it's basically adding another layer of tribal tendencies to humans, us who are already extremely tribal by nature, and that 's a bad thing, mm. you know, like uh you know you read you know, if you if you liter- if you take the literal interpretation of a holy text and and I think it's probably true for almost every religion out there, um, you can justify some pretty horrible things yeah. based on that. And um you know, you, you know, people say things like, well, you know, it's I, I mean I kind of agree with the idea that it actually matters what you believe. I don't think all religions are equally bad or good, but um you can find extremism in all in all of them. And sure. And, um, yeah, it seems uniquely designed to exacerbate our already bad tendencies of tribalism, which, you know, leads to murder and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I guess I kind of, I, I, I admired that about you because it seemed like you would always, you, you were always totally okay with asking hard questions. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I ever would have brought that up. I don't think <laughs> in, in, in Sunday school.
0: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, be nice to people, as long as whatever you, you believe. If you're nice to people, great. And don't—I think doubt is an amazingly powerful force for good. Mm-hmm. I think faith, to the extent that it's a blind, unquestioning faith in whatever, is scary and should not be trusted. I think doubt is very healthy, and you should— Look at evidence and uh, adjust your beliefs based on the best available evidence. That's my, uh, you know, if if you're being forced to believe something because somebody else said so, then it seems to me you're being manipulated by uh, a, a power
1: structure, and that's bad. Or uh, somebody just trying to sell you something, right? Yeah, so. It, how how do you perceive, like... Okay, so I, I'm in a unique position in that I'm in China 11 months out of the year. And I'm observing America from a distance. And it seems that in the last couple of years that, you know, the America has become more and more polarized and polemic um, in their discussions. Can you define polemic for us dummies? So polemic is like uh, just so something. if i if I state a position and I choose language and I structure my argument in such a way as to like more like being an attack, I think that's what polemic is okay so it's kind of designed to irritate and i guess perhaps cause more page hits or retweets maybe <laughs> accusatory um, inflammatory yeah i so do you find that you know have you gotten pushback from your natural habit of? asking hard questions
0: I, I think Trump broke me
1: in a lot of ways
0: I, I've I had a belief in our political system that we would talk things through and kind of figure things out mm-hmm. um, and I think we don't do that in this era mm-hmm. that this is a new thing and it's very sad and I I've withdrawn a lot I think from trying to understand the nightmare circus that is Washington Mm -hmm. and national politics. Um, Because I find our president just, uh, I, it's gross. I mean, it's gross and it's embarrassing. And I, so yeah, I know a lot less about what's going on Mm -hmm. than I did two years ago under every, every, I, I used to be politically, minded to an extent you know and mm-hmm. i used to follow what was going on in the world mm-hmm. way more than i do now i th- I think and that's that's bad i mean that's a failing on my part i've disengaged and the that's a victory for people who don't share the same opinions mm-hmm. that i you know i do because i've seeded all that ground mm-hmm. by not engaging uh but you know that yeah the, <laughs> it's turned me into the, i've always despised uh, party line voting Mm -hmm. so many people just vote their party line yes and I've always prided myself on no I'm gonna look at everybody as individuals I'm gonna see who has the best ideas and I'm gonna vote for whoever has the best ideas I'm not a partisan voter Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and our president has turned me into what I despise which is a partisan voter Mm -hmm. where all I care about is if you're a republican i vote against you. Mm-hmm. period. and i don't even know if i like the democrats. Mm-hmm. i don't know if i like the whoever else is out there. Mm-hmm. but yeah, our voting system we need we need ranked choice voting immediately for the health of our democracy and we need to get out of this two cycle or this two party system that's just eating us alive and we need to get out of a represent representation that is based on fear and <sighs> Loathing, and just I, I just I want I want someone who can articulate actual positions, can think about something and have a strategy, a thoughtful strategy of, hey, this is how as a society we're going to deal with this issue, which is the best that we can come up with right now, and other ideas are welcome, and actually have good faith uh, debates and discussions about what the best way to go about things is, because I can imagine a lot of what a true conservative opinion about things would be. And I can imagine a lot of the ways that the U S would pursue conservative, uh, ideologies and priorities. And that's something I can live with, like reasonable versions of conservatism. Mm-hmm. I can, I can think what that would look like. And while I might not agree with it, I can respect it. I think that's not the way we should go about things, mm-hmm. but here's the way that you could go about that. And I would respectfully disagree, mm-hmm. but we don't do that anymore. We, we have this insane circus of clickbait and that's how decisions are made. Mm-hmm. And it grosses me out. So,
1: Okay. Well, I think we're both running out of energy. This has been really, well, you, you brought fun. up politics. Yeah. Well, no, I, well, we should, it was, but no, it's, uh, I, it's You made me sad. You made me cry. I would, made I would me sad. <laughs> I would encourage you to be more active because I think um, definitely America needs more people like you. Are you voting absentee? Yeah, yeah, I voted absentee, yeah. You mail it in? I mail it in, yep. Voting in in the state of Iowa? Is that how you do it? Uh, Yeah, so I I basically register online, you know, in my home county. And Uh then they, they mail me a ballot, and then I ship it in. And, and I they mail you then, a
0: ballot to They China. mail me a ballot to China,
1: yeah. Uh, so you're and,
0: one of the Chinese interferers in our election process. Uh, w- <laughs> well, I
1: am a U.S. citizen. <laughs> a US interferer. But, so you say. Uh, yeah, actually, in a lot of elections, they tend to not count the absentee ballots because in most elections, the margin is big enough that knowing what they know, that the number of absentee ballots, because when they, they, usually, they arrive usually much later than the... Um, the voting day. Right. But if it was if close it, enough, they do count them. Yes. Yeah. yeah do count they, them. Would take they would. They would count, count them if it was close. If enough. If it yeah. was close. Yeah. So, so well, Iowa,
0: what did Iowa do in this last election? So, I was Republican or Democratic. or
1: You mean the, 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 midterm election or do you mean the presidential the election? presidential? So they voted for Trump. They went Iowa Trump. Yeah. Which surprised Trump? me because, okay. you know, I thought Iowa didn't like a You know, a dick <laughs> in the white house. Midwest nice, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it was, uh, Ugh. But uh, there, one of my well, one of my classmates from high school. He ran for um, for Congress. Oh, nice. in Iowa on the Democratic ticket, and uh, I can't remember which district it is. His name's JD Schulten. The district that he was going to represent. I can't remember what the number is. One, two, three, or four. I think it's four districts. Um, is the most um, Republican district in Iowa, and in the last election, the congressman. Steve King, I think, won by like maybe eight or ten percentage points, and then this time he only won by two. My my friend JD almost, almost won. Mm. Um, So I think there's reason for some optimism there. I think people are kind of seeing how far down the abyss you can go when you get really extreme. Well, I
0: am, I am glad that broadly speaking, the world hasn't ended. Right. True. Like I was, (laughs) I was literally terrified of the button. Yes. I, George, I never thought George, either Bush was going to hit the button,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but this guy might. Out of like a dare, yeah, like someone might dare him to on Twitter, yes. and he's so crazy. And I think that's part of. Well, anyway, he's just ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh.
1: ugh, yeah,
0: have
1: I, have I mentioned ugh. yeah (laughs) Yeah. well I I think one of the problems is that he's he's so frustrating and irritating that he's a very stable genius and and there's a but there's there's a real breakdown in in meaningful discussion
0: you know and it's yeah that's not his he's a circus act he's he's a circus act
1: exactly that's that's
0: his whole shtick is I am a television crazy asshole circus freak personality well that's insulting to circus people circus people have actual skills oh my god shut up Jay ugh so gross yeah
1: yeah, it's, you know, living where I'm in, in China, I've really struggled to explain what's happening in America. <laughs> yeah, But I'll say too. this, you know, the Chinese government is delighted <laughs> with the circus antics of, you know, America because they can point to it and say, hey, look, democracy is a bad idea. Yeah. Look at look at what's happening. You can't trust people with the right to vote.
0: Well, and never since happen. World War Two, have you had a higher polling percentage of people agreeing that democracy sucks? Yeah. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. It's, Democracy does not work. It's, it is it is understandable. terrifying. That's terrifying.
1: Very terrifying.
0: That the world, a larger percentage of young people think that. Yeah. Well, and how can I blame them? I, Look at where
1: we're at. There's... Yeah. Look at how... Uh, there's evidence to support the case, for sure. Yeah. yeah. They're wrong. <laughs> yeah. We do not want a strong-armed <laughs> dictator. Yes. Oh, my God. So, you, Have you heard of that Churchill quote where he says, democracy is the absolute worst form of government except for all the others? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's very, very true. Yeah, it is. It's I mean, it's a mess. It is
0: gross, and it's a mess, and people get in there that you really don't like. But, so, I, I, but I'm hoping we're going to return to a, a point where well-meaning, well-spoken people, can have respectful conversations about our priorities. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the America. That's that's my America. Let's, yeah. let's make America respectful again. Jay Hanna, 2020 <laughs> presidential <laughs> yeah. candidate. Vote for me. I'll legalize all the drugs. And <laughs> uh what else is I going to do? You'll have universal health care. See, I'm a... I'm a uh, libertarian that wants universal health care.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, okay, explain
0: that. <laughs> explain that contradiction. There, you're a libertarian can't. who wants it can't. It can't be explained. Oh, okay. No, I. Uh, yeah. Generally speaking, get the government out of everything except health care. By the way, have it take over the the biggest part of what government does. You know, health care, socialized medicine. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. Yeah, everybody hates me. The libertarians hate me for the health care thing, and everyone. Yeah, I don't fit in any party at all. Anyway, the war on drugs is bullshit. Legalize all the drugs. Mm-hmm. Legalize fucking everything because criminalizing like violence, yes. Mm-hmm. Violence, you go to jail. We have to put you somewhere where you can't physically hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, if you steal 40 trillion dollars, you know, Bernie Madoff style, mm-hmm. that's a lot of fucking money mm-hmm. and you should be punished, mm-hmm. right? And Part of punishment is keeping you away from doing the things that you shouldn't be doing in the first
1: place, mm-hmm. you know. But
0: uh,
1: yeah, so vote for me. So I'm trying. <laughs> I'm just trying to articulate your position. So, so basically, your 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 perhaps your opinion is that um, default mode of behavior should be let the market decide it. Perhaps when well, it- well I think I think the market works great mm-hmm. in a lot of ways in a
0: lot of fields. Mm-hmm market forces are insanely powerful forces for good in mm-hmm. a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But market failure is also a thing mm-hmm. like market. What if, if we're living in a society, we should take everyone with us mm-hmm. and some people can be billionaires and that's fine, but I'm for progressive income, uh, progressive taxation. I think if you're going to be a billionaire, that's great. You can also hire a bunch of school teachers for public schools, right? I, I, Think that our <laughs> the amount of money that we're spending, having ins- medical insurance companies argue with each other
2: mm-hmm.
0: over paperwork, is insane. I think we want socialized medicine, like a Canadian system or a UK system.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They complain about it constantly. They complain about the National mm-hmm. Health Service constantly. I would love to have those problems. Right. I s- assume I just spent eighty thousand dollars getting my my butt. Transplanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't actually have it. <laughs> they they scalped my ass, and I assume that was like eighty grand because I was in the hospital for two nights, two ERs, two nights at the hospital. Um, I have great insurance, so mm-hmm. I get great health care. Mm-hmm. That's great for me mm-hmm. because I can afford to have great insurance. I have a job, which is insane that health insurance is tied to employment. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? Right. I mean, it historically in the forties, this is how this happened. I don't remember. But anyway, it doesn't make any sense. We need socialized, single-payer healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. Now... In elective surgery, if you're a better surgeon, absolutely let market forces decide that you're going to spend $7.2 million on that nose job. That's fine. That's elective surgery. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, buy a Lamborghini, buy the Ferrari, buy the nose job, get butt implants, you know, whatever you want to do with your disposable income, do it. Mm -hmm. Surgeons can make lots of money in plastic surgery or whatever. That's great. But when we're talking about survival, when we're talking about whether or not you have food. To eat, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about fancy food. I'm talking about basic necessity foods. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about basic housing. There's no reason our country can't. We have more houses that are empty than we have homeless people, mm-hmm. was the last statistic I heard. And I got to go do that research. So maybe that's bullshit. But mm-hmm. I was listening to a thing. There are more speculative houses that are sitting empty than we have homeless people. Mm-hmm. Right now, that's not to say that there's an instant solution to the problem. You can't just put all those people you know, on buses and go give them houses because mm-hmm. some of them have mental health problems, some of them have drug problems, some mm-hmm. of them will destroy those perfectly good houses mm-hmm. tomorrow and not give a shit because they've you know got problems and they don't own it. And not owning things is one of the reasons you destroy things because you don't give a fuck. If it's a rental car, you might do donuts. Mm-hmm. Did you see the video that guy in the yellow he no. <laughs> rented a pickup? 1995 from U-Haul? No. Or maybe Home Depot. But you, you pay 20 bucks and you rent a pickup truck. Okay. And he's doing wheelies and burning rubber. And he's like, fuck yeah, 1995. <laughs> this can be yours. This is hilarious. I'll send it to you. We'll link it in the show notes. Okay. On the YouTube. Anyway, I'm not saying I have all the answers. But I am saying that we have plenty of money to live in a society where no one has to stick with a butt that's not working. <laughs> that's what I want.
1: Mm. I want preparation age for everybody. Jay Hanna, 2020 me. presidential candidate. <laughs> yeah. Nobody has to live in a world. <laughs> shouldn't have to live in a world where nobody has a butt that doesn't work. I could not think of a better ending to the interview than that. that Thank it? you, sir. That was fantastic. 2 hours 18 minutes? 2 hours and 18 minutes. Ugh. Yes. All right. It's over. Been a pleasure, Jay. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh. For the record. Okay. You are an
0: amazing person. And I have been humbled by this interview and thank you for talking to me and you've had uh, just extraordinary life and you've been super generous the two times I've been to China and you've hauled me all over the country uh, and showed me the world. Uh, the, the the Asian the Asian mysteries the mysteries of the Orient by Justin Hopkins <laughs> and uh, seriously so generous with your time and when you got married you had two weddings one here and one there and I crashed the one there crash and, I invited you <laughs> I was like come on I, I saw you get married in Taiwan and it was just it was it really was it broadened my horizons in so many ways and I really think and thank you for installing CVS. At Omni Hotels, <laughs> version control is very important, and I really value our friendship. So, yeah, thanks man. for yes, swinging hey,
1: by. Give you a hard win on that. Thanks. you. Oh, thanks. Oh,
0: don't knock those. Oh, All right. Great, man. That's great. All right. What button do I press here? That was awesome.
2: All right. Bye, everybody.